comes up to combat. All right. And then the key, Mark, is to take that stupid fucking window and put it down at the bottom of your computer so you do not fuck with it at any point in the podcast. So, <laughs> Got you. All right. So this is the Advanced After Combat podcast. This is a podcast about wargaming. Uh, initially, like I was probably about uh six old fashions in but now i'm probably about 10 old fashions in so i don't know how this is going to go now the strength the strength of the old fashioned is uh like for me that i guess the effort it takes to make it is maybe what makes it not get me as drunk because i have to wait while i actually make one so as opposed to the the brad my strategy that brad and i use where we just pour a bunch of irish whiskey in a glass and then chug it that tends to get you way more ripped quickly yes. so absolutely so maybe the mixology is important because it actually slows down the process because you have to wait for the there's, next drink i think so there's effort that's right so um yeah so this is a podcast about wargaming um it's explicit so small children sensitive snowflake people probably don't want to listen to it because this might be we might say bad words that offend you so probably uh, will yeah so this podcast is brought to you by, by me dave and my bromance partner jason hello who's uh sounding especially tinny today because <laughs> he got some terrible advice from toot i don't know what happened just this fucking mike what the fuck just mind your business mike stop fucking with our podcast <laughs> Everyone's and then try to help. I know he's trying to help. He's he sails boats. What the fuck does he know about sound quality? Like <laughs> apparently it's a thing he used to do. Maybe he was into sounds. Yeah, well, it's working great, Mike. Thanks for the help. We really appreciate it. We have Robot Jason on. Thanks to you. Thanks very much. Um, and we have a guest host who I don't want to neglect because every episode we have a guest host. Since we found that the two of us could not get along with anyone on a regular basis, we now rotate <laughs> hosts from our guild on BGG. And this is a mystery, but this this month our guest host is Mark. Say so, hello, guys. Mark. There you go. So Mark is an interesting character because Mark is a dealer in Las Vegas. Yes. And now, Mark, I'm not. I know there's some areas that you're not allowed to talk about. Um, but I just, if I do get into an area where we're talking about it and you're like, hey, I can't talk about that, just feel free because I do the same thing. So. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, uh, how did you get started being a dealer in Las Vegas? Um, long story short, I was, uh, you know, working, I was in Ohio at the time and I just kind of got to the point where I didn't want to spend another winter there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, uh, you know, work in the office anymore. And I, I kind of wanted to just get out and do something different and, uh, I was looking actually my first thought was to go work on a cruise you know just to get on a boat just to get the fuck out of ohio oh but, god uh, that's you a know bullet. you dodged a bullet on that one because that <laughs> yeah. looks like a hellish life yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah 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 i'm it, exactly I'm, I'm glad it worked out this way but you know one of the jobs they had offered on that thing was like working in the casino there so i thought uh, how do you get experience doing that and that eventually put me out here and decided to stick around nice now, place when when you're at and do you work at like a major casino yeah i work on the strip okay so like what kind of education and training do you have to go through i mean is it pretty rigorous it's it's depending on what game it is like you learn 21 or so that you can learn that in about a month uh something like roulette is like a year 
craps is two years, but you, you can go to like like dealing school for you know anywhere from a month to three months, but then you have to go you kind of have to work your way down from the bottom up oh, to the strip. I, I didn't clarify. Uh, oh, yeah, Mark is a, a, a gaming dealer in Las Vegas. He's not <laughs> a drug dealer. So. I, didn't, I didn't put that together. <laughs> yeah, right, no, you were right, pretty so. clear. Yeah. So, I, I wanted to be sure. They want to, he, deals, he deals in Las Vegas. He deals right, used cars. Okay. So um, what, what's, do you have like a crazy dealer story like when you were – Something weird that happened when you were dealing. Like, like generally, what game do you deal? Um, roulette is my uh, my main one. I also do uh, baccarat and uh, that's some um, fancy tw- shit. Twenty one, yeah, yeah. It can be. It can be pretty pretty high stakes when it gets now. Baccarat's the one that all the Chinese people yes. want to play. Yes, right. yeah, that's the that's the one. And uh, roulette, yeah. The one time, I guess the craziest thing is the time the girl tried to do a strip tease on the table. She got the, it was she was hammered. It was like one of those uh, holiday not holiday but like big sporting events weekends. I can't I think it was like March Madness or something. And she uh, got on and she got a little ne- crazy. Yeah, she got a little crazy. She had the shirt off and the bra was working before the uh, security had to pull her down. And uh, so, so, so you weren't like okay, hold on, give it a second. Let's let's see how this <laughs> yeah. plays out. <laughs> let's get to the end of the story. Yeah, that was uh, that was funny. Then at Baccarat, we have this guy that well, he doesn't come in so much anymore, but uh, he used to come in and he would bring with him a harem of eight women. You know, he was an older guy and he had these eight younger girls that would come with him and they would I all. I know sit. that I know eight women. Yeah, well, he he's he's got those, so I think he just you know they just appear when you. Yeah, Jason. Kind of money. Jason, you had trouble staying up uh, for a podcast, <laughs> so I don't think we're in the same circle as these guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you, almost, a, you almost fell asleep for your podcasting appointment. I no, had to I, Facebook message your wife. Okay, I, so. I did fall asleep. <laughs> no, that's I'm, a, an old, I'm an old, old man. So this guy has eight women that come in with him. Is yeah. that like a lucky number? Is yeah, like, in the in the Asian cultures, eight's lucky. Eight and six and nine are lucky, and then four is unlucky. But in any case, each, each one of these eight women all has their own job to do like there's four of them that sit in the middle of the table with him and like clap and root for the cards he needs and then one of them pours his tea or his beer and then one of them lights his cigarettes the other one hands it off to him one of them goes into the bathroom with them to do something i don't i have no idea what but that's the lucky number (laughs) eight That's the new girl in the in the coterie gets that job, but uh, she's helping align the chakras. <laughs> that's right. You got to you got to start. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that was always entertaining. So, uh, all right. So that's and like, is this something you think you're going to do for a, a while, or is yeah, this... I'll move up. I'll go into like supervising, and then hopefully, you know, I can get to like pit manager one day. That's that's the the goal. Yeah, that's cool. I I've only awesome. played roulette. I've only played roulette one time. And I went down and put $20 down and hit my number and then won. And then I didn't really understand that I had won because I didn't know how to play because I was actually betting for someone else. Uh-huh. And they're like, dude, you just won. And like, so I won like 700 bucks. Wow. Yeah. I think I paid 35 to one. And yeah, I was like, 700 for 20. Right. And I was That's like, all right, right I'm out of here. And then they were all staring at me like, what the? Like I basically <laughs> walked up and put it yeah. down. That's awesome. You didn't play again then? You didn't uh, nope, chase off. it? Good, good. They, you're, you're smart. You're a smart gambler. Now, so, so what did you, have you heard of the podcast, hearing about my all my betting strategies? No. 
Oh, do you not listen to podcasts? I talk, oh, talk about I my sports oh, yeah, betting. Yeah, the, the sports bet last time. Right, right, right. right. So what do you think of my sports bet strategy? Well, I, I was a little confused by it because you, you you were uh, – Oh, fuck. You're only a guy I thought you were hedges okay. by you know, making two you – know, you can lose All both right. bets, right? I thought this was going to make me look good because it's apparently not going to make me look good. All right, so – Divert, no, the, divert, divert. The, no, the point is the, – the point of it, Mark, is that I – I already have the the underdog in a future bet. Right. So you're betting the favorite on the point spread. Right. 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 Actually, so if they cover, well, and did, the, if they won and didn't cover, you would have lost. So, both. so in the Alabama situation, I had the favorite. Okay. Right. So I bet the underdog. Also. Yes. Trying to trying to hedge my bet. Yes. When you if you got a winning ticket on the favorite, you can do that with the underdog. Right. That, that was my strategy because yeah. if I if I won the, the Alabama bet would have won 120 bucks. Okay, well it would have okay. been solid if you had taken the Patriots on the money line. That would have been you would have won no matter what. But yeah, but I I I, I dude I had wanna, Atlanta was I, I didn't I didn't hedge that one. I didn't hedge that bet. Oh okay. Oh okay. I thought I, thought I just you did. I let I it ride. Going to. No, I let it ride. I let it ride because it was too close. I mean, they the odds are close. They always seem to get very close. Right, to the odds. right. So it's and, you, you, and you're gonna tell me you weren't cussing that second half. I was not because wow, I only that's... I was only ten bucks in. I was ten to win a thousand. Like, eh, I never had that money, so I don't really okay. worry about it. I, I knew, okay, you got a good attitude, that's dude. Good. I I knew when they rolled out after the first uh, the first half and the defense looked exhausted. I was like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way they're going to hold off the Patriots. Yeah, that was crazy. All right, anyway, enough about me. So, Mark, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated with the fact that you're a dealer. I think that's really interesting. And I do think you're holding out on us because you don't want to give you really good stories on the air. That's fine. We can <laughs> yeah, talk about it. Are you going to go to AACCon? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working on that. I think so. Okay, it looks so, like it's going to happen. My brother's so, wedding isn't going to be on the week I thought it was going to be, so... Fuck, fuck um, your brother, dude. Who cares? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Seriously. Dude, blood is He'll get married again. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, they decided to do it in Scotland, so I'm not going anywhere. Oh, no, so yeah, right. Nice. Fuck that. Des dude, destination weddings, only assholes That's, do destination yeah. weddings. Because then everyone else has to hustle out there. And my dad exactly. always said, blood is just an excuse for bad behavior. <laughs> So <laughs> that's a that's a good song. Those are wise words. So so he's he was going to do a destination wedding in Scotland. Yeah. Well, originally, originally there was going to be here. They wanted to do it actually in downtown Cleveland. You know, just on the water. You know, down by the by the Lake Erie. Those are very different options. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but the climate is similar. It could pass for Scotland. <laughs> Cleveland and yeah, Scotland yeah, in probably some months of the year. It's pretty similar to Scotland. But a lot of white people. The the big issue was the mother in law wanted adamantly wanted to have this wedding in their hometown suburb like where where she grew up you know uh -huh. and was just being like playing the passive aggressive stubborn they would go down to like check out different venues down in the city to see where they could hold it and she's like i don't like it i don't like it not too far too far this is no good this is no good so i, I talked to my brother and this whole thing to go to scotland it's it's kind of just a middle finger to her to say you know Okay, you don't you don't want this in Cleveland, you know, forty five minutes from where we lived, and you know, fuck you, we're gonna go to Scotland and uh, you know, do whatever, you know. Well, now, and now you guys are Scottish, is that why? I, Irish, but uh, 
I we'll think they had never been to Scotland. I think that's kind of what they wanted. I, I, I think the secret. <laughs> what the fuck? What, what a big Scotland? I don't. I don't. I, I, I honestly, I think they're in an Instagram pissing contest with one of their friends, so they got to uh, have better uh, uh, the you know, we, we mean, wedding I mean, photos than someone else's. I mean, literally, Hadrian built a wall to keep Scotland away from the West <laughs> rest of, of civilization. Yeah, should have been a sign right, right there. So like, <laughs> So he's Irish. Like I get in this argument with my mom because uh, my family thinks they're Scottish, but they're actually Irish because a lot of Irish came over to Scotland in like the 1600s and 1700s. So you, then you get this thing where they're like Scot Scotch Irish. No yeah. one's sure who the hell the Scotch Irish actually are because they're all mixed up. So yeah, I think my Irish heritage they came from way of Scotland. Like, I mean, this is so fucking long ago, though. You know, it's it doesn't. Right. Yeah, it's who, who knows what's like. Why not pick Iceland? Do Iceland? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're gonna, I think pick... they'd already been there. Oh. So they already got the Instagram photos for that, you know. So. All right. All right. Cool. Well, so you're not going. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I'm not so going. I, yeah. So I, so you're gonna have actual good stories for me. Not that. Yeah, that story I'll tell you the good, stuff I, I can't. I okay. shouldn't say on the air. You good. Know? Good. Good. That's why we need <laughs> yeah. to hear that stuff. We, we approve. <laughs> Okay, so Mark, uh, so you moved out to Las Vegas. You you became right. a dealer. Um, were you already kind of a war gamer, or is that something you picked up when you were already out there? I uh, yeah, just this is a recent thing. I'd never played any war games up until you know a couple of years ago. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Let's hear it. Yeah, uh, how'd it come about that way? Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like four years ago or so, I. I had to give up my old hobby, which was uh, betting thoroughbreds, because uh, I used to like playing horses. And then uh, things happened. One, the uh, the uh, Riznet, which is the company produces the past performances, they they uh, ceased support for this software package I was using to make my own like figures and notes and everything like that. Um, so that kind of threw a wrench in the works of my handicapping, and then. Hollywood Park closed, which was the one track that I could kind of have a uh, feeling for. Is this the one in Inglewood? Inglewood, right, right. right. Anyway. Yeah, I only, I only like really followed the Southern California circuit. So uh, you know, they would Santa Anita and Del Mar and uh, Hollywood Park. Is, is this because they're the most honest racetracks? No, it's just because they're the ones that I could like be awake for by the time the you know post time. Okay, because you know, the rest of what's on the East Coast. I actually, like Florida has good racing. Jason, and so Jason, does New York. Jason totally we're, understands. We're familiar with this. For yeah. Jason, Jason totally <laughs> understands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, that one, I had to. It just got too uh, too much trouble to keep keep that up, and so I was looking for a new hobby, new something to keep keep me busy. And now, is this then. a hobby that you made money off of? Uh, playing horses. Like, are you handy like handicapping horses? Basically, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, handicapping horses, betting on them. Um, I yeah, I mean, I did it more for entertainment than I did for like making money. You know, I, I, just I, like I, I, I grew up out in Monmouth County, New Jersey, so oh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm very familiar with horse racing because in Monmouth right. County, when you when you live out in Monmouth County, they have Freehold Raceway. They have the the, yeah. the they have basically the half the paper is horse racing. And right, right. They had like two or three racetracks right there. And uh, they used to always do like the thing where they have the chicken compete against the handicappers. And like whoever the chicken shit on, <laughs> that's who they would bet. And then they would run it against the handicappers. Yeah, yeah chicken comes out ahead. I, I, I sometimes, sometimes. But yeah, so, yeah. so that's, that was a hobby. And then so that's gone. So then what happened? Yeah, so then I was like kind of looking for something else to get into. And then I, I, I don't know what, I don't know why, but my, my mind just came back to, um, 
gaming. You know, I was looking for like I was looking to get more into board games. I wanted something with history, and then I stumbled upon uh, diplomacy. Um, oh, that's and, a, that's an evil game. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, and uh, I I played that for like two years. Probably two years I was playing that online, and uh, and, and I'm going to talk about in this podcast. I'm going to talk about the new version of that game, which is which is Triumph and Tragedy. Oh right, yes, yes, the new buddy fuck version of, the, of that game. <laughs> yeah. Because because the problem with diplomacy is when you're playing against people who are who don't know you and are going to be like you can get random opponents. There's no consequence to your decisions because there's no historical record of how you fucked over people. Yeah, right, right. But if you play with a group of friends and you play multiple times, then the fact that you're going to screw people can actually have a consequence. And that's why I think Triumph and Tragedy is very interesting because there's some of that too. Well, honestly, in diplomacy, I, I liked playing anonymously. I didn't like knowing who my opponents were just for that reason because if I knew how someone was playing, like you get in a position where, okay, this, this is where the guy completely stabbed somebody else all the time you know i finally find myself in this position now yeah okay the game's pretty much over for me i i, I kind of like not knowing that too far in advance now know? mark mark what was your favorite nation to play in diplomacy uh i liked england okay okay england and uh italy see i, I played i played germany germany's good too they're, they're a little they were a little tougher for me except if you could uh if you could keep russia you know when I was not Russia, uh, not Russia, England. Yeah. When I was a freshman in high school, we discovered diplomacy, and I used to. I had a, a shitty job sweeping up a uh, dry cleaner uh, uh -huh. after hours, and I would sweep and just think about all the different strategies I could use as Germany to take different. Like, am I going to take this from France? And then, yeah. So uh, that's how I spend my time. So, but don't worry, ladies, I'm taken. So, like, <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah. But I remember I would spend hours coming up keel, getting my navy out of keel, and trying to see if I could right. get in Scandinavia, or like uh -huh. if I could we could take apart France or. Oh, the the strategy for that is it's it's a lot of fun to think about. That was my favorite part. Of that it was just the diplomacy, and you get the uh, you know writing the press back and forth, and you get in these like you know it's it's I don't know maybe three hours until you know post time or, or what's it called the deadline, and then you're like frantically you know sending off all these emails to the other player trying to get a deal done and then it finally goes through you know i always thought that was a lot of fun well cool so then when did you kind of like start to get introduced to like more more complicated maybe more like hex encounter type board games yeah it was uh, in the in the forum on the web diplomacy site I, that i was playing at uh someone they were you know a thread was going about they, they mentioned twilight struggle and then I, I I looked at that and that one really grabbed me because it was it looked like a like a like a playable version of a a playable board game version of a computer game that I used to like back in the day called Balance of Power. Did you ever play that? It was like in the like late eighties, early nineties. I did not. I was into Harpoon. Harpoon. I played Harpoon. the shit out of on my Mac. Okay, I never played that one. Yeah, but in any case, it was it had a lot of the same theme to that and so that one I, I i jumped into that played that for a couple months and then gradually you know discovered the rest of uh you know gmt's catalog i kind of fell in the rabbit hole there and uh you, you know what, i got you know what's funny about twilight struggle like i recently downloaded the uh uh the app for it right and uh i've been playing a little bit my kids played it and i didn't realize it because when i got it it downloaded onto their ipads too and my daughter's like oh my gosh i played the tutorial for twilight struggle it was really good but then i like totally lost once the tutorial ended like but i was impressed that my daughters 
were able to, I mean, they're 11 wow. and eight. And, oh, that's great. But, I mean, it shows, I think, that the tutorial is actually pretty uh, easy to follow. But, man, I try playing it. Fuck, I fucking lose. I feel like I'm losing every time I play. To the AI? Right. Now, yeah. I'm not necessarily playing all the way through. Like, I think I'm maybe, I don't know how much my, my attention span is, but I, I get to, like, the mm -hmm. midpoint. But it seems like the early point, the Russian cards are just brutal. They are, yeah, in the early wars. Does it get talking. better as you go on? Yeah, it typically swings towards the U.S. as you get into the late war. So it, it balances out a little bit, but the AI does get weird. So if you're like used to, I don't know, like tournament player, like however they tell you to play on that Twilight Strategy document, <clears throat> the AI is is all over the place. I, I lost the first like seven games against the AI that I played just because it was well. I've, so I've never but, played the actual physical game. I've only played the the app, but I thought it was very oh, challenging. I'm like, fuck, oh, I'm getting my ass kicked. Yeah, it, it's a it's a well done app. It really is. It makes everything real smooth. It remembers where you left off, so you it, it's good for playing asynchronous. You know. Yeah, I've only played offline. Software. I'm not like I'm not ready mm -hmm. for prime time, but. And I'm, worried if, the tournament. I'm worried if Kev finds out I'm playing, he'll try to burn my iPad in this driveway. <laughs> so. Nice. So then you get into more serious war games. So yeah. what's the first like After, real hex encounter when you get into? It was uh, Normandy 44. It was not, uh, you know, some, some right of that uh, 44. And I, I got into that one, and that was a challenge to learn at first because I mean it's. And you're, um, you're soloing this. I, yeah, I was. I was soloing. So you don't have any kind of like. Mm -hmm. uh, Yoda, wargaming Yoda to kind of show you into the hobby. You're just kind no. of buying stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, fuck, I'll just try this in my my den or whatever." Yeah, it was uh, YouTube. Uh, there was a couple of tutorials on YouTube. A guy called I think his username is Gun Docs or something like that. But in any case, and then Joel Toppins, uh, he had a tutorial. I was I was just learning from that, and then you know fighting with the rule book to figure it out. And then, uh, and then, and then, then Simon and I picked up a, a game, and then we started. And then, playing. and then you discovered the podcast. Yes. And, yes. and after that, your life, your wargaming life, has been a ray of sunshine. It's, it's completely changed. Yeah. So, um, how did you first find out about the podcast? And this is this is where we try to uh, bask in the in the glow of your, <laughs> your description. Of, <laughs> well, it was. Oh, I, well, you know what? As, as yeah, I don't don't the, don't don't be modest. Don't spare any okay. kind of praise or. I want okay. you to Re really I, polish. I, I feel like you're a humble guy, but you, I really want you to go all out on this part. Like really. Okay. Well, as I was getting into war games, I, uh, okay. So far, a not, not, not a great start. I feel like, <laughs> give me, give me a chance here. Give me a chance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's always, uh, Dude, I was well, getting into it. I, <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta interrupt you because it's what I do on the podcast. I interrupt people. That's cool. Um, I was at a soccer game with my father-in-law today, and I just remember because uh -huh. you had said this. You said to make a long story short. So my my father-in-law goes to make a long story short, and he tells this thing. I'm like, well, that ship has already fucking sailed. Like I was just like, he, he, thought, he told this fucking long story. He's like, to make a long story short. I'm like, dude, you've been sitting here for 15 minutes listening to this fucking story. <laughs> All right. Anyway, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Back back to us. Back to you talking about yeah. how great we are for the hobby. All right. I came across this awesome podcast as I was getting into the war games, and okay. a lot of times when I get interested, in something, enough I about look for a enough podcast. about guns, nice and butter. Like, what about <laughs> us? Let's get let's get those. And in my podcast catcher app thing, I searched for war game podcast, and the first one that came up was Advance After Combat. We're alphabetical, baby. <laughs> yes, Jesus, crushing it alphabetically. <laughs> yep, 
That's a good. That was a good choice. Alphabetical as fuck. Yeah, that's right. So uh, downloaded it. Enjoyed it. I like the what, fact it's just a bunch of guys talking. You know, what was really conversation. What was the first episode you listened to? I hope it wasn't the one all good's first episode. No, <laughs> yeah, that one came after that. It was, God, I'm trying to remember. I did enjoy that. Was the one where you guys were like. Just blitzed at the end. By, that was by, a good one. By your guys, I mean it's a team effort, right? Let's be clear. Yeah. That's, it's... <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't remember the first one. What what you guys talked about? I wish it, I could it, remember that far back, but it was uh, it was gold though. It was all it was gold. gold. It was enough to make me think this is for me. This is this is my this is where I belong. So now, when you listen to the podcast, then you got onto the guild. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I found the podcast first, and that that steered me towards the uh, the guild. So you and Simon kind of you guys do a lot of gaming together. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. We uh, we're playing through all the Simon uh, the Simage games like from start to finish chronologically. We're trying to do the whole World War II thing from start to finish. So, you know, so you guys have like a guild bromance going on, like you guys. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. It's okay, Mark. It's a good time. Yeah, I always love those because because Simon's like Irish and he's he's, he's Irish, teaching yeah, up he's in like Maine. But he's, yeah, he's, he's in, his family's in Missouri, I think. His wife's in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Is his wife? So he's flying back and forth. A is lot. his wife Missourian, or is she just? She uh, lives she's in Missouri. American, but I don't know. There, yeah, she's she's teaching there. They're both. They were both teaching there, and then I, she lives. I don't think. I don't know if she's from Missouri or not, but uh, she's American, right. and so. They're like they're kind of teaching together, and uh, so he's flying back and forth. So, uh, so when, when Simon plays, does he drink, or is he is um, he like dead sober? No, occasionally, yeah, no, yeah, he does uh, pour a couple of whiskey sometimes. Because once I, you know, um, uh, Legend Begins, he was hammered for that. Oh, good, because like uh, we we like Pete and I will play ASL, and recently I've had soccer practice. Like literally, it'll be over at eight, and then we play. And Pete's accusing me of, I'm getting an unfair advantage because I'm coming in sober. <laughs> And he's been drinking he, for three he hours. Like it as much. He's like, yeah, you, you watch the old Dave. He's like, he's like, I don't like the coffee and dip, Dave. I want like the actual drinking Dave. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. it's important that the. I mean, that could be a handicap. Like, so if you like, if 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 you're gonna play Rick in a Comic Commander, Rick could probably be forced to drink like seven cocktails before he plays as his handicap. That's his handicap. Seriously, he's got like a seven drink handicap. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so what else do you have going on mark you have any other things going on with any other guildies uh yeah i got uh doing the here i stand game we're in the middle of it's almost probably at the end but uh who, who, are, that you, with who going are you on. running i'm the papacy wow i, I like that I, i've had fun playing that power i was in the last game we had it was the protestants so i, I kind of wanted to see the other side of the religious struggle in this game and uh I like it so far. So that's where you're trying to flip all the, you're like flip all the yeah. stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. By doing debates and like burning books and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm the reigning, uh, here I stand guild champion. That's what I've yeah. heard, but it was just a tournament scenario, right? Whatever. But I was the Ottomans. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well, like, Braxton's going to try to chip away at it, but that's fine. I'm still the champion. <laughs> we'll weigh the books however we need to weigh them. And Jason's analysis concluded that I did not even understand the rules of the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but dumb luck. Barely matters. All right, so, yeah. so what else? I, I, I like to think um, it's raw animal instinct that brought me to the end of the game. <laughs> what else I got going? I got... Uh, um, 
uh, Caucasus campaign that we're in the middle of that with the sign part of that uh, World War II playthrough I told you about. And uh, then I'm playing some Twilight Struggle with uh, Carl. And then the, we're in the middle of uh, another game. We switched sides. We, he was having some bad luck as the Soviets a couple times. So he's playing the Soviets. This, or I'm sorry. He was having some bad luck as the U.S. So we switched it over. Hey, Carl, Carl, Rocket Man, Carl. Rocket, yeah, Rocket Man, Carl. It's a, it's a good time. And I think. I think that's about it. Well, good. It's pretty much what I got. That's no, good. So, uh, so Mark, you know, up till now, I think the conversation's been pretty friendly and collegial. Yes. But uh, I would there's agree. a quiz, right? And uh-huh. I, I just want to mention. It to you. I, I, I literally forgot what we were doing. Like, Where's Steve going with this? So, and, and for for the listeners, they don't know. Um, Mark and I have already talked for like an hour, like because. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Fells. Now, and I am totally cool with that because I am normally always the one who falls asleep, <laughs> passes out, doesn't meet his obligations. Uh, I, I set an alarm. So, I slept through my alarm. You slept through, so it's, wow, it's, it's great. It's, it's great that uh, Jason was the one. I, and I kept thinking, yeah. like, well, maybe it's the time zone differences. Arizona and, has and, weird time zones. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. And, and, it's good. And. and and I, for some reason, I put it on my phone as 8 p.m. So I put my wife to bed and was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. So I was I was signed in at 8 p.m. my time. Oh, no, yeah, you were. Just your time. You were. You were in the room. I saw and, you and there. And I yeah. looked back. I was like, oh, shit. No, this isn't right. It's like, okay, I, you know, I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to listen to a podcast. And then woke up with Dave calling me. So I apologize. It's all good. Are you are you uh, are you still drinking then? I am still drinking. Awesome. What do you I, got? Uh, just whiskey now because it's easy. Yes. So, Mark, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Jack Ryan single malt Irish whiskey. Wow. Wow. Fancy as fuck. Yeah, that's some uh, John Christian shit. Yeah, it is. Tom, Christmas Tom Clancy, present. Tom Clancy is that? Mm. And I'm doing the yeah. Jack Ryan was Tom Clancy. Yeah. Tom Clancy. And I'm doing the old fashions uh, bullet rye and. Uh, a little nice. bit of vermouth. Sweet. And way more than I thought so, I would be at this point. But. <laughs> so that's a Manhattan then. You're doing sweet vermouth? No, I'm right? doing Manhattan. No, no, it's, what am I doing? Is it? You said vermouth. Yeah, I thought I was doing old fashioned, but I think I'm, fuck. You might be drinking Manhattan. You might be drinking Manhattan. What I'm doing is I'm doing sugar, uh, uh-huh. uh, the bitters, uh-huh. the cherry. Maybe I'm doing Manhattans. I'm doing Manhattans. No, that's that's an old fashioned. That's an oh, old yeah. fashioned. You, you said vermouth. Oh, no, I'm not doing vermouth. I'm, what's the what's the other part of the uh, old fashioned besides the rye? Bitters. The Angostura. No, I I think I'm putting vermouth in there. <laughs> Is that not supposed to happen? It should just be it should just be rye and sugar and. Oh no, I'm put, I'm putting vermouth. In there. Right. So oh, so that's... what is if I add the vermouth to rye? What happens? Well, then, then it's Manhattan. It's an old Manhattan. But, right, yeah, with sugar. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the it car. Good? I want you to make me one. I'll, I'll, be, there, I'll be there in six hours. <laughs> I, I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying it. Hey, I just found out like a month ago that I need to refrigerate my vermouth after I open it. Yes, please. please. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just found that out, too. <laughs> uh-huh. well, three bottles. Yeah, so I'm doing, what I'm doing is uh, I'm doing a... Uh, I do a sugar cube. 
I do two dashes of, of bitters. I do a, a, one of those good Luxardo cherries. I drop that in there. Uh -huh. I mix it all up until it's all dissolved with a little splash of water. I put uh, two ounces of rye in, and then I put an ounce of vermouth in, and I mix it all up. Wow, so you have an old-fashioned Manhattan mashup. That's right. Wow. Check. That, sounds, that actually sounds Check good. Me out. It's good. I like it. You're a pioneer. There we go. Nice. Okay, so, so Mark, there's this quiz. It doesn't have to happen. Uh -huh. You okay. can say, I don't want to do the quiz. It's optional. Because people have accused us of like trying to use the quiz to like... And like bullying. And right, uh -huh. that's right. There's a big anti-bullying lobby out there in the Wargaming community <laughs> that says that we're, we're, we're doing this just to make you look bad. But I think you're going to do great on it. Okay, well, I, I, I'll be honest. I say I am feeling very pressured right now, but I would not want to be the first to turn this down. Quite the dubious uh, achievement that would be. So, uh, <laughs> But there's no pressure. You don't have to do it. It is obvious. Okay. You were right, shamelessly bullied <laughs> for not doing it, but you don't have to do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I would say there's not much it's of like, a choice. It's then, like the it? reverse bonus question. Yeah, right. So, so Mark, yeah, it's not bullying, but the way to consider it is that, that you don't do it, you'll definitely get bullied. But if you do it, you'll be fine. It's not bullying. Okay. <laughs> there's no bullying involved. It's all about work. But 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 if yeah. you don't do it, you're yeah. definitely going to get bullied. Right. Yeah. You really, I mean, you really should do it, but you don't have to do it. I would get hazed at the at the con. Oh, if you were the only yeah. one who didn't, yeah. yeah. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, okay, bring right. it on, bring it on. <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid of you, Braxton. <laughs> we get there. So basically, in this episode, not only are we uh, forging ahead with revolutionary new cocktail uh, recipes. Seriously. God, uh, and I've been making this thing for like, <laughs> I've been making this thing for like a year. <laughs> Love it. But it's ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing. All right. This is the It's the Flying Eagles po podcast quiz. A, a tribute to one of the more memorable quiz answers ever. Thank you, Tony. There's your Flying That's Eagles awful. podcast. The Flying Eagles. The Flying Eagles. Because it's so unusual for eagles to fly. They, Especially they when they're screaming. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the first one. That's right. It's name that opposing commander. All right. Everyone's and now Jason says, in, in the, it says, oh, I'm sorry, Braxton. There can only be one Jason. A game exists for each listed battle. I listed each game per Jason's request. So, Thank you. So Braxton has listed the games. Okay. The first is let's see, the Battle of Alippa, 206 oh B.C. Our general oh. is Scipio Africanus. Who is your general, Mark? Uh, Hannibal. That's incorrect. It's it's okay. Mago Barca. And, and oh, Braxton adds SPQR. Hey, I'm hoping for a four-player game of Alippa at AACCon. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug. Plug. All right. The next battle is the Battle of Brandywine, 1777. This is from Brandywine in Germantown by Clash of Arms. And by the way, Clash of Arms right. has never supported this podcast, so just let's not get carried away with the uh, the brand. No one has supported <laughs> this podcast except the listeners. Our, our general is George Washington. Who is your general? This is Brandywine. 
Brandywine. I'm going to say Clinton. Nope. It's William Howe. Howe. I would have gotten that one right. Man, that never happens. Damn. The next battle is the Battle of Talavera, 1809. Shockingly titled Talavera by the Gamers. Battle of Talavera, 1809. Our general is Arthur Wellesley. Who is your general? 1809. Is that uh, that a Napoleonic thing? You can't answer that. Okay, let's see. Uh, Wellesley was, uh, I'm going to say it's... uh, Our general is Arthur Wellesley. Your general is whom? Uh, Napoleon. I don't know. Close. It was Joseph Bonaparte. Do I get half credit for that? <laughs> no. We don't, we don't yeah. give half credit. <laughs> we do we half don't give half credit. credit. <laughs> the next battle is the Battle of Churubusco, 1847. This is from the game Gringo by GMT. Our general is Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Your general is whom? Wow. Churubusco. What what year was that again? 1847. I think we can identify the war. Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. I think you can identify the war. I appreciate your accent. You like that? Uh, Yeah, Southern California, brother. You put put a little spin on it. (laughs) 47 was... uh, Oh, shit. Uh, Custer. I don't know. That's my best guess. So your guess is General Custer. Yeah. (laughs) The only guy I can remember. Winfield Scott. It's the Mexican War. Mexican-American War. Winfield Scott. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go, Mark. Battle of Dien Bien Phu, 1954. (laughs) You're screwed here because our general is is Vo Nguyen Giap. Your general is whom? I was going to say at least give the French general. No, he didn't. He didn't give the French general. I thought he was That's totally brutal. You have to guess. Basically, let's be honest. You have to guess the French general. That's not going to happen. I don't even know that. I don't. I don't know. Who it's that is. Christian de Castries. Oh. I appreciate Damn. that. I appreciate that line. Of so question. after all this waiting, we're still not sure if this podcast is even going to be posted. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, we're recording. <laughs> all right. So the next part is. Next question is, all right, Mark, which goddamn war is it? Okay, this might go a little A game bit. exists for each listed battle. Braxton listed each game per Jason's request. Wow. Goddamn it, Braxton. I love I know, this. Really good. this I, I really appreciate it. And basically, Braxton will be like, he'll, he'll start prompting me like, um, are you guys podcasting soon? Because do I have to do this? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're doing it tomorrow. <laughs> I need the quiz. <laughs> Like, we're terrible. We're terrible. Like, I don't know if we're employers. I don't know where we are. But, I don't know. All right. All right. So, the first battle is the Battle of Narva. It's the, the, and the game is Pax Baltica by GMT. What war is the Battle of Narva? A Great Northern War. We're posting the episode. You got it right. Good job. <laughs> Was that yeah, right? I, was, I was cheering for you, but I was actually checking off at, at the answer, so I oh. wasn't clicking the top box, so sorry. I was very enthusiastic, but you get it right. Nice. So that's one out of, what, what 
It's one you were, yeah, ten that's now. A, that's not focused on out of out of six so far, but we're not six. Oh, okay, that's, I'm doing better yeah, than I yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. Let's, let's not focus on the <laughs> negative, which is basically how you're doing. Let's not focus on that at all. The performance. <laughs> the next battle is the Battle of Fornovo. It's Archibus by GMT or Fornova fourteen ninety five by Compass. What war is it? Battle of Fornova. I'm not sure that I'm not sure Braxton wants you to read the, the game before the answer. You sure? Because that's a that's a huge hint. Yeah, I would I think he's right. I, leave the leave well, the game because I I wouldn't have gotten if the end of ball to come. Yeah, we can honest. keep doing it. I'm just not sure. Okay. Well make this make this fair and I, I don't want to okay. think I was helping anybody, but let's be honest, let's try to make people look good, right? That's what we want to do here. So that's fair enough, yeah. All right, so Mark, what's since it was so easy, what was going on? So easy, Mark. What's the answer? <laughs> the last one was this was okay, uh fourteen what was the year again? Well, I, I don't know if I should say it. that's in the uh the game <laughs> answer. You were so it's the battle of Four Novo. Four Novo and fourteen something. Okay, uh what was going on up there? I don't know. Yeah, it's the first Italian war. And I probably would have oh. accepted the Italian wars. I don't know if I would differentiate too much between the first or, or whatever. But so that's okay. wrong. But you got it wrong regardless. So, so the right. next one is the Battle of Wittstock. 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 Hmm, that sounds kind of British. Let's see. Now, if now if, say, I, here's uh, what I would say: if you were to ask me for the game name, I would give you <laughs> half credit for the answer. Okay. <laughs> Let's say the uh, English Civil War. Well, the game name would have helped you because it's Sweden Fights On by GMT, and it's the Thirty Years' uh, War. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that wouldn't have helped me. Okay. The next one is the Battle of Karen. K E R E N. Karen. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry, Mark. Did I pronounce it incorrectly? Is it Karen, or is it or is it uh, Karen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what what Karen. war do you think that battle was fought in? Uh, this is a really hard. Question. I don't. This is a hard one. Okay, was it? Uh, was it one of the oh, Jesus? Karen is the let's say the uh, let's find something real crazy. No, the, no. Uh, Sino, what's, what's it? The, uh, the Japan Russian War. Yeah, it was World War Two. So oh, it was okay. fought in nineteen forty one in the East Africa. World at War magazine. Mm. All right. So yeah. So when I say it's hard, I don't mean like it's going to be like really like whatever. All right. So the next one is the Siege of Dubrovnik. The Siege of Dubrovnik. And feel free, Siege feel free to ask me for the game, and I'll give you half for a half point. credit. Okay, yeah, let's go. I'll take half a point on. So I'll say. So the second. half a point credit is War Returns to Europe, Yugoslav, nineteen ninety one, by Strategy and Tactics. So Siege, okay, Siege of Dubrovnik, uh, the Balkan War. I need you to be more specific. The and. It was the Bosnian and was it Bosnian Balkan War? Is that what it was called? I had the Croatian War of Independence. Oh shit! Okay. 
I'm wow. sure this is going to be wow. very, very uh, controversial. Okay, so the next question is time for a new question format. It's called okay. Who or What the Hell Am I? So I'm going right. to summarize something, and you have to name who or what is being described. And it's mm -hmm. military history. So I'm going to describe to you a someone or something, and you have to tell me what he or what the person or what it is, okay? All right. Wow, Braxton's really going off the, the, the rails on this one. This is going to be good. I'm Prussian-born. I'm a field marshal. I devised an innovative tactic, Sischelschnitt, a.k.a. Sickle Cut, used to defeat France in 1940. I once disobeyed wow. a direct order from my Führer to save six German divisions trapped within the Corson pocket in 1944. Who the hell am I? Is that Guderian? It's Guderian. I can't answer in the form of a question. You're right? so close. It was Eric von Manstein. It was going to be one or, one or oh, the other, right? So oh. it's Manstein. Okay. I like, I like this line of So question. the second one is, I'm a playwright. I'm overconfident. I'm a gentleman. In 1777, I led a force of 7,000 soldiers across Lake Champlain in an attempt to capture Albany, New York. Who the hell am I? Oh, Lord. This is a good, this is a great. I have no thing. idea. You did a great job. This is, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't this know. This is John Burgoyne. Gentleman John, Johnny Burgoyne. Gentleman Johnny. Gentleman Johnny. Okay, wow. next question. We are a medieval military order, also known as the Order of St. John. We were first headquartered in the Kingdom of Jerusalem and eventually at the fortress at Malta. We fought at Arsuf and Acre and beat back the Ottomans at the Isle of Rhodes in 1480. Who the hell are we? I love this. That's I love the these questions. Knights Templar. So close. It was the Knights Hospitaller. What? Oh my God! Wow, this is. Uh, I would have said Temp Templar also. I, I was I was designed by Werner Gruner. I have a maximum cyclic rate of fifteen hundred rounds a minute. I have a muzzle velocity of 2,400 2, feet per second. My maximum effective firing range is two thousand meters. What the hell am I? Uh, it's an MG forty. You got it. Good job. All nice. Right. <laughs> Who was the designer? Werner Gruner. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. The elevation right. at my peak is 1,808 feet. I was the site of a battle during the American Civil War. I am also known as the Gibraltar of Georgia. What the hell am I? It's amazing how it's amazing problem. how much this one comes up. I actually did a, a staff study there, so it's like it's funny that I knew nothing about this battle, and then like I now know much more about it. Ah, uh, yeah, Civil War is not. I, I don't know. That's not my strong suit. I, Kennesaw I Mountain. Kennesaw Mountain. Huh. 
Okay, so now is the uh, time for the bonus question. So, uh, Jason, Jason, oh, you want to run real through, real, real quick through this and clear up like what the bonus is about. And it's very complicated. There's a lot of confusion about it. So, and I'm still a little groggy from my nap. Um, but basically, so there's there's five more questions or four more five more answers. You get okay, that, that are bonus. Um. But they're worth all exactly the same as all the other questions you've already answered. Okay, but that's fair enough. You really want to focus on these because they are bonus questions. Right. They don't. They don't count differently than anything. Right. Else. So that so these questions okay. are going to be like regular. They're like, but they're special in a way. But but they're right. bonus. Because they're bonuses. Right. 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 You get it. So they count against you, yet they also count for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that's right. Okay, okay, okay. So, and you've and you've answered some of them previously correct. So you're you're, oh, you're doing and, well. And by some, okay. I think we mean two. Two, two exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where it's really going to count in the bonus phase. Okay. All right. So, um, so basically, this is war game title trivia. That's the bonus question for this month. You're going you're gonna to have okay. to name the battle, war, or general subject matter for each listed game. So I'm going to tell you All the right. title of the game, and you're going to tell me the subject matter. Okay? Okay. Bloody Roads South. Is the, um, you're fucked. American oh, yeah, Civil you're War. That's wrong. It's uh, the Wilderness Campaign. Okay. <laughs> it was already, I should see it was Civil War. You weren't getting that one right. Yeah. I will, I will fight <laughs> no more. Dot, dot, dot. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. He, no, he no, said he said he did war. not say the Civil War. I said the American Civil War. Did you war. say the Civil War? No, it's the Wilderness yeah. Campaign. He has to say the actual campaign. Oh, yeah. the campaign. Okay. It's a battle war. Yeah, so in that case, you have to pick the campaign. Sorry. Mm. So, so Got it. the okay. next one is, I will fight no more, dot, 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 forever. I will fight no more forever. Is this also this a is a game? Or we just look it, it, yeah, whatever. It's a it's a game title, and you have to tell me what the game title's about. This one I don't know. I've never heard of that one. It's the uh, the Nez Pierce campaign of eighteen seventy seven. I don't know Nay Nay Pierce, whatever. I don't know. Native, yeah. Native American. Oh, the okay. next title is Druid. Druid. So name the battle war or general subject matter. I don't know what I would. I know the game. I don't know what I would. Druid. 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 What's is it about? Like tell me what. Tell me what. Is that ancient Rome, like the uh, Roman conquest of Britain? Is that I, I don't know what if that's a campaign. But you need to be more specific. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I don't know any battles on that. Era. It's a Boudicca's Rebellion or the Iceni Rebellion. Mm. Well, that yeah, was Britain, that was. That was. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, I feel it's, I feel Boudicca. Okay. Um, yeah. So next is nothing gained but glory. This is a common, commonly known title. Nothing gained but glory. But yeah, the subject matter is not well known. Is it the Battle of Trafalgar? No, it's the Scanian War. I think it's like between like Denmark and Sweden. It's uh, one of the Musket and Pike series oh. games. It's a great game. A lot of great battles, but oh. it's very, very obscure. 
Okay. The next one is Victoria Cross 2. Victoria Cross 2. Not to be confused with Victoria Cross. This is... Victoria Cross uh, 2. That's sequel. right. This is Victoria Cross 2. Electric Boogaloo. Okay. The, um, it would be the Falklands War. Um, okay. It's the Battle of Isandwana and the Defensive Works Drift. <laughs> so that's incorrect. <laughs> so, 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 um, you, you got one of the parties correct. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It was the British. And if there, maybe there are people of Zulu descent fighting for the Argentinians. I don't know. Could be. You know, there's a lot of, yeah, people move around a lot. So, so, but as always, we can tell you confidently, it's not the worst we've ever seen. Oh, I was, yeah, I was just going to ask that I, I, I thought I would be at least tied for no. the low score. No, no, and, and if you go to a convention and you grab a pint of beer and sadly look out a big open window at a pool that has ducks swimming on it, uh -huh. you might meet the one guy standing next to you <laughs> who did worse than you. He did That's worse, right. really? There's such a person. Oh, yeah. Wow. We love okay. him. We love him. Oh, okay. He's the best. But yes, people have done worse. Maybe he did it just so we could okay. say that. Who knows? So you got a, you, we appreciate his effort. You got a two. So out of 20, maybe you didn't want to do the bonus. Maybe the bonus wasn't going to be great for you. <laughs> that would be the bonus they, they didn't help much. That's All right, so Mark, do you, uh, do you clip your counters? So you I are do. like, what are you yeah. do any other kind of like, yes. I want to get into some of this stuff I think we like because we're like, we're like a pretty serious wargaming podcast, right? Like we're all about that. So I'm interested what yeah. kind of stuff, Mark, do you do kind of to prep a game? Do you scan all the counters? That okay. I don't do. So what else? I don't scan. The, I, I, I do clip them. I like to, I like to, I like to sleeve cards too. I like to get those. Uh, do, do you laminate? Do you laminate plates? If they're warped, I do. Like I've bought a couple, like off of the secondhand market, where the things were warped. But I do it if they're in that condition. But I, I do have a plan to go get them all done at some point. But it's not something I need to need to see. You know what I mean? So the counter clipping's the big That's thing. Fair. That's what you're doing. That is, yeah. That I, I can't play with those. I know. I think I've talked about it, but coward. we've done conventions before where I'm like, "Hey, can you have this game for us?" And the guys will be like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Is it clipped?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Forget it. I don't want to play it. Like, don't worry, <laughs> I don't want to see it." I mean, Go fuck you don't want to be yeah. a terrible thing, but I'm like, "Yeah, I cannot fucking do it, dude." Yeah, but there's you got to have standards, you know. And I, I, and for me, like, I don't play a lot of like super heavy counter density games, but the feel of that like nasty or even on like the legion games where it, they come out clean that sharp corner i just if i'm picking it up by the corners I just well now guys it. are getting mad at the uh the ones where they fall out because they're side they have the side little nub on them guys don't like the side nub yeah. guys prefer the traditional so they can clip it the side nub is harder. oh yeah because you yeah, can't clip harder. the side nub right trim, but whatever yeah, I don't know. For me, there's a there's just like it's just night and day between clipped and unclipped counters. Like uh, you having a ratty ass haircut and being all nice and clean and everything, you know. Well, and, just, and yeah. for some games, it, for it's some games, it makes a huge difference. Like in a game like Labatai, where you have big stacks and you're moving guys around, it matters whether they're facing a vertex or yes. or the, the the hex face. I mean, it's important, right. but whatever. So yeah, that's good. It's nice to know that there's still some standards in the community. So, 
Absolutely. So uh, the other thing I've been doing recently is I've been doing. Uh, I I recently went to soccer ref school. Yeah, I want to hear about yeah, that. So yeah, are, yeah. Are you are you refing or? Are I'm not coaching. coaching. Uh, my daughter is playing her first year of competitive AYSO. So she's been to clinics. I, I sent her basically my first, my eldest daughter went into AYSO. I like soccer. So I was really excited to put her in and she cried the entire time she was out on the field, like from moment on the field, all the way running down the field, crying, sobbing. It was so embarrassing that we wouldn't even let family members wow. come to the games. <laughs> and, and like, sounds like my, when my boy played soccer. That was exactly and like that. after the games, dude. Yeah. yeah just, after the games, like pe the families from both sides would come up and be like, Oh my God, is she okay? Like basically <laughs> if she was trying to shoot a goal, everyone was cheering for her on both sides. Even the opponents were cheering. <laughs> So I was like, that's it. We're never doing that again. We're never. And so when my younger one got to about six, she was like, hey, she came to me and she's like, I want to play soccer. And I'm like playing like some kind of war game on our, our coffee table or something. I'm like, I'm like, hell no, not happening. We've been down that road. We're not doing that. But she was like, no, I really want to play. So we got her out and we had to do a bunch of clinics. And she was actually really good. So she did that for about two or three years. And then this year we decided, okay, it's spring season, which is kind of the off season for AYSO and we'll have her do it. So we put her on a team and, uh, she's like incredible. She's sprinting, sprinting down That's the awesome. field, leading breakaways. So the coach tries to put her on defense cool. and she'll just still lead breakaways up the middle of the field. Like she just does not have not understand <laughs> anything other than like attack, attack all the time. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a, I have a buddy at work who was like, you got to take the refs class. Like we want you to do the ref class. And so the idea is you have a center ref and then there's two assistant refs. So the, each team has to provide the assistant ref. So I go to the ref class and it's like, it's like 8 a.m. on a Saturday till 5 p.m. at like a, at like a, right. Holy it's, cow. So I'm wow. like, dude, what starts at 8 a.m. on a weekend? Like that's really early. And uh, so I get there and okay. So basically it's in a pizza place and then we're in the side room and they're, they're like, okay, we'll break for lunch. We're going to serve pizza and then we'll, we'll let the, uh, then we'll do the afternoon. And then there's a test. You have to take a test. So um, it, it was really good in a way because I learned a lot about soccer, which is, is good because I like watching soccer. So now I completely understand how offside is and how all that stuff works. Sure. Right. But the problem is there's kids. They also have what they call uh, youth referees. So the youths are in the class with us. So they'll be like, the refs will be, the ref instructors will be like, yeah, so basically if you, uh, Put your hand up in front of the goal and you try to block the ball when it's coming in. That's a red card. You're going to get a red card for that. And then the kid will raise his hand and they'll be like, yeah, what's the problem? And the kid will be like, well, I played a game once and in my game, the guy did that and the ref didn't give him a red card. And they're like, well, they're like, well, yeah, that, that's wrong. He should have given him a card. And then another kid will raise their hand and be like, well, once? I, my coach told me about a game that was played where the player put the ball under his shirt and ran. I'm like, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding? I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, for fuck's sake, we got to fucking get out of here, dude. So they, I got shit to do today. Like, so they're, 
they're jamming four oh, content so, to the eight yeah, hours. Yeah, right. To, Every, every single questions. thing, it was always the kids who'd be like, they're like, yeah, so this is a throw Well, one time when I was, I'm like, oh, I'm sitting in the corner like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, we have to. <laughs> sitting way down in your chair. Right. Like, so oh, so the, the, the culminating point was when they had like, uh, they go, okay, we're going to show you offside. Now, offside's complicated. So this is after lunch. It's like probably 2 p.m. We're trying to get out of there. And they're like, look, we're going to show you like seven different examples of offside. And it's a slide where the ball moves. You could see. And it's they're like, this is going to be every variation. So they show the first slide. And <laughs> this kid raises his hand. He goes, well, oh, okay, I get that one. But what if? So I'm like, I turn to the kid. I'm like, he just told you he's going to show seven different versions. Why don't you wait to see all the versions before you ask your questions? Uh, it's just so annoying. So, but I will tell you, like, so my daughter had like her uh, the first game today where I was supposed to show up and be the assistant ref, and uh, I was a little bit nervous. So I'm watching videos. I'm refreshing myself on all this shit because I have a flag. After the flag, but then I got out there and some kid wanted to do it instead of me. So I'm like, so one of the youth refs. I'm like, fuck you, do it, dude. So I had him do it. He volunteered for it, so I had him wear the shirt. So that's awesome. But yeah, did he do a good job? Yeah, I guess a couple times. Whatever, not great. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, my daughter plays volleyball, and they have <clears throat> usually there are like four teams in a pool, and two teams are playing, and one of the other teams will ref and keep score. But the the girls like don't pay any attention, and there are a couple of things that are very key that if you do this, it's wrong. No, I I, I do and think they, you know. It's these fifteen-year-old girls out yeah, there, the, like the, the, the young, rolling the young, their eyes and not paying the young boy attention. Refs, I think the teenage boy refs much better job than the teenage girl refs, just from what I've seen. Because sure. I don't know if they're not paid, but dude, it's hard because I'll be watching my daughter playing, and like suddenly the ball got a bounce, and I'm like, uh, I have no fucking. So I'm just like, I put the flag out, <laughs> and the kids are like, No, no, that was out enough. I'm like, Nope, flags out. Yep. Fuck yeah. Fuck off. Yep. That's the way it's going. <laughs> That's right. Ralph says that. <laughs> like my own my own team is like, no, it was not. I'm like, shut up. Just get back out there and throw it in. <laughs> Got a lot of time for the ref. But it's it's hard. And it, it, so one of the things I really like though about AYSO is AYSO out here is super strict. Where um, like with the refs, you can like critique a ref a little bit and be like, oh, that was a bad call. Well, ref, you know. But the problem is half the time the parents don't even know the rules. Like my yeah, own coach. Exactly. My own coach was like at practice. He's like, my coach is a fucking douche. Can't stand him, but whatever. So he's like, hey, you just went to the ref class. So why don't we have you stand on the touch line and then we'll have them all throw it in. So he has them throw it in. And I'm like, yeah, good. He goes, well, they were standing on the line. I'm like, yeah, you're allowed to stand on the line. The line is in as long as any part of your foot right. is on the line. He's like, oh, no, you have to be behind the line. I'm like, are you going to argue with me? I just went through the <laughs> I, fucking class. I was literally dude. just there. <laughs> Yeah, you like, you like yeah, I'm like what right. an idiot. But I mean, so, but but one of the interesting things is, so if a uh, assistant ref is a youth ref, like if you critique like an adult ref, they might be like, yeah, no, it's fine. That's you don't know the rules. Whatever, we're gonna, I'll get, I'll teach you to you. But if you argue with a youth ref, you're immediately kicked out. Good. You immediately, good. Oh, wow. like okay, if you good. challenge a youth ref at all, you're immediately you have to go to the parking lot. That's awesome. And wait there. And uh, and they're really strict about it to where they'll tell coaches, hey, you need to calm down. Coach doesn't go. Or like we've had refs 
The other rule is parents are not allowed to coach their kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. Only the coach can coach. So, but you'll have parents who go down to like the uh, goal area, like if their kid's a wing, and they're going to try to coach them as they're going in for the, and they'll tell you, hey, and if you don't want to leave, they'll just say, fine, the refs will walk off, they go to the tent, and then they call the deputies to come get the guy. That's awesome. So it's like, Damn. yeah, so, but they have to be cool. like that because they've had uh, enough incidents where it's, yeah, especially know, parents, in Southern California. And soccer, soccer gets out of control because the, the calls make a big difference in the games. And we're like, U10. Like, this is not a right. big deal. You <laughs> 10 girls, right? So it's um, like, but anyway, it's been funny. I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, like, I'll probably do more, a little more refing, but I have to wear the whole kit too. I have to wear like the yellow shirt, the blue, the black shorts, the, the black socks. I can't just go out there and put like a penny on. Like, I love it. They're, they're very strict. So, but I thought that was interesting. I like the fact that AYSO is very strict about it. I want to and, see uh, Dave in, in little black shorts and shin guards with the, with the socks. I'll probably I'll, I'll put it in, I'll put it in the panic room. I'll put it in the panic room. I'll send something up. It's making me very excited. I'll, I'll post it. I'll post And I even got a yellow card and a red card. Oh, that's awesome. They gave me, they gave me a little wallet where and I got the cards. And pull up. The no, they don't give me the flag. You the no, they didn't give too? me the flag. I, all I have is the red card and the yellow card. They didn't give you like the notebook where you have to write the player's name down? Well, no, no, because yeah, I'm not the center ref. So the way it works is... The way it works is oh, like if okay. you if think somebody did a penalty, like you're communicating with the center ref. There's something like you you pat like your your chest pocket if you think it should be a yellow card, and you pat your ass pocket if you think it should be a red oh. card. So you're sending like secret messages to the ref. You're, you're like a base coach sending send the signals. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty cool. I like it. My daughter's just killing it. So I, I love to hear that. That's, that's been awesome. fun. So she's she's maniac out there. So so that's it. That was fun. I thought people would like that. So hey, so uh, Jason, let's talk about cocktails. You got a cocktail for us? I do. And I inadvertently had a cocktail hour without realizing I'd made you my did. Own cocktail yeah, here. That was, so that was exciting. I might have to try that. My man, my old fashioned Manhattan. Yeah. Fashion that has to be pretty sweet. I I approve though. I feel like you're trying to make me sound like a pussy by saying that. No, no, no. So because I was awake for the podcast, I just want to point that out. Like I didn't need a wake up call. For I was podcast. like, I wasn't even like, I, and I was on that couch. I was, and I, maybe I was passed out, but I was like hardcore asleep. I wasn't just like dozing. I was out. Well, I knew the texting wasn't going to work, so no. I called you a bunch of times, and then that's when I was like, "That's it. I'm Facebook messaging his wife." That's a, but she's, she's asleep too. So. Yeah, she'll, she'll give me endless shit in the morning. So I will be appropriately chastised. All right, so drop it on us. So this actually kind of relatively, maybe tangentially re relates to the game that I'll review in a little bit. But this is called the Eastern Sour. Um, so it's two ounces of bourbon, uh, a quarter ounce of orja, uh, which is spelled O R. G-E-A-T. It's almond syrup. You can use like the Torani almond syrup or you can just buy it like at, at, at a Total Wine or whatever. Or, or ja, uh, a quarter ounce simple syrup, uh, uh -huh. two ounces of fresh orange juice, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, uh, and then a cup and a half of crushed ice. We're going to put everything together, shake it up, pour it right into a mug. Uh, garnish with mint 
and or an orange slice and or a cherry. Um, so this is kind of like a tiki whiskey sour. Um, really good, a lot of flavor. Um, it's yeah, it's wow. it's good. It's it's pretty high on the citrus, um, but it's one that you know I'll break out for special occasions because a whiskey sour is is good. I, I really like them, but it it's not always you know sometimes they can be a little bit too sweet. This one's a little bit more on the citrus side, but kind of has a tiki flair with some uh, some stuff that people most likely have in their in their pantry other than the orja. Give it a shot. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I had one of these actually this, uh, this afternoon. On wow. My, on, my, on my quest to napping. That's right. So, <laughs> so not if you have any important like appointments you have to <laughs> yeah, make. Right, yeah. If you have stuff to do at 10 p.m., that maybe don't have two of these right. at, at, at noon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just want to also uh, issue a travel advisory. I, I, I found this out when I was uh, at Game On. Um, basically, Jeff Newell was nice enough. He, uh, I, I won a couple, uh, I don't know if he gave them to me or won them, but uh, accessory packs for Warfighter. Uh, and. Oh, right on. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. So I was getting ready to fly, and I kind of put was getting ready to put one of them into my backpack, flying back to L.A., and I decided to shake it, and I realized there was something rattling around in it. And when I opened it up, I didn't realize that in addition to the cards, they have like a set of the bullet dice inside the uh, expansion decks. So I can only imagine like the thrill that TSA would have gotten if I'd gone through with like, oh, like man. three packs with like nine to ten different bullet dice <laughs> inside you're, so, you're carrying this military propaganda with things rattling around in there. Yeah, I'm sure through yeah. the, uh, the the like the metal detector or whatever they send me through that the bullet dice would not have looked great against. Yeah. So, so I ended up having to ditch them. So, but I was glad I checked those boxes. Uh, so, if you're flying with them, be sure the bullet dice aren't in there. So, because I don't think the bullet dice are really critical for anything. So. And, and I've heard they don't roll very well. They don't. I don't know. They roll okay. I mean, I, I thought they were usable, but yeah. So the other game I played at the uh, game on was uh, Triumph and Tragedy. So Jason, have you Jason have yes. you played that game? Uh, no. Mark, no. Mark, Mark, have you played that one? Yeah, yeah. We played it at uh, GMT West uh, last spring. Yeah. So. I first heard fun. about this game when B Mode and Lieutenant Hoplite and Kev played it, played it until about four in the morning, drunk. They drunkenly played it. As lords. Uh, <laughs> all night. I think they were drunk when they started. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so by the end, they were. That's right. Because Kev had definitely come from the brewery, I think, oh, at that point. Right. It was that night. I assume some of them were there too, but uh, so I played it one night at Game On, and I thought it was pretty fun. And then basically, I think B Mode taught it to me, and maybe Reeves. And then we played it a little bit. And then the next day, I played it with uh, 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 Big Time Doug, Big Deal Doug, and uh, the Medicine Man. And uh, I was actually able to teach them the game after having played it like for like drunk for like an hour and a half with. Uh, with the other guys the night before. So uh, I would say I think it's a really good game. I mean, it's really interesting because it's a block game and it's like basically a World War II strategy game, but it is definitely more of like a buddy fuck type game. Like there's definitely right. some negotiating in there as to when different people are gonna come in. I, 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 it, 
it feels to me like it's a hard game to win is Germany. Because Germany feels inevitably yeah. trapped between the Western allies and the Soviet Union. Like, Mark, Mark what's your yes. experience? Have you seen... That was the experience we had. Like, yeah, uh, I was when we played at GMT West. I was the uh, I was like the West, like France and England, and uh, Germany attacked. I was trying to like you know shore up the diplomatic side of it. You know, make some more allies across the pond and everything. Like, I wanted to get America a little more, like the U.S. a little more pro pro British. But then I got attacked by Germany, and uh, then the Russian player ended up. You know, they got in, and they, exactly like you said, they just kind of you know. Pinch German. I mean, that, the right? one I played with Medicine Man, Medicine Man was really kicking ass because he had basically, like, he had trouble taking France, but, like, the Italians, at one point he sailed a fleet into Gibraltar and fought the fortress at Gibraltar with the fleet. And this is the weird stuff that will come up with Triumph's Tragedy. <laughs> like, like, there's no way a fleet is going to capture Gibraltar. But, but yeah, it's so you got to think it's abstracted, right? So, um, but he needed to roll like snake eyes, basically. And he rolled snake eyes and killed Gibraltar and took, and then he took over all of the Mediterranean. That's the, awesome. And all of like, and, took over Persia and with the Italians. But at least the, the probability of that happening was pretty low. Wow. Like snake eyes is. No, that's right. Yeah. And, and the, the game has this really cool aspect where you're playing cards. And uh, initially, um, so some of the cards are like for technologies. You want to develop different technology. And you're trying to get like, I think, matching pairs to get the technologies going. Yeah. But the other cool th part of it is, so you have cards in the beginning that are kind of like you can influence countries and get them to be on your side or not on your side. But those cards are also cards that let you uh, move units, certain numbers of units during certain seasons. And if you don't have that card, you can't do that during that season. So, Yeah, so you get a choice essentially. You can either choose to spend it on diplomacy or move your units in the like the war phase right so later card, on in the right? game like no one gives a shit anymore about fucking diplomacy like basically everyone's playing the cards exactly, just yeah. for moving guys and uh so in our game like uh john had the hardest time trying to take the the last part of france because uh i'm like doug just send fucking fortresses in there like build fortresses like so he just started like <laughs> building like cadre fortresses anything he could to hold on and uh by the time then the, by the by the time he finally jumped finally i think pushed them out of france then the americans showed up and then doug like landed them in like brussels and so but but there was a cool part where um i guess it's the low countries in the game but there was a cool part where uh medicine man was actually able to like get brussels the low countries to be his allies so it screwed France because he was able to just bypass all the magical oh, line, just run right. right through. And it was basically just because he got a bunch of really great cards. And as much as Doug tried to cancel out the diplomacy, in the end, uh, Belgium and the Netherlands became German allies. But then I was just waiting there as the Soviets, building my guys up. And uh, at some point, I'm like, oh my God, I think Medicine Man might actually kill off the Western allies. So I need to move. So I tried to advance my army and fucking Poland, my armies were so bad, the Soviet armies are so bad. Poland almost like beat me initially. Like I was struggling, <laughs> struggling to fight my way through nice. Poland. Good job, but, Poland. But it didn't matter because he was in such a struggle with France uh, and the Western Allies that I was able to rebuild. And then once you get Poland, then you're threatening Berlin basically. And so, uh, 
Right. So then, then Germany's caught between uh, the Soviets and the Western Allies, and it's hard to get out of. I, I don't know. And I kind of, John had talked about it, I kind of stroked his arm and I said, this is going to be gentle. I'm going to try to make this as easy on you as possible. <laughs> because I basically then just, your eyes and relax. Uh, I, sh I shoved yeah. every guy I had into Berlin, like every one step cadre. I didn't care how strong they were. I shoved every unit in because I'm, I'm, he's fighting for his capital. It was like a fight to the death, you know, so. But as far as a drunk game where you can have a great time and play and have history go off the rails and just have a blast, it's great. Oh, it's it's perfect for that. It's perfect a con game like that. You know, where late night where you just kind of want to have something to have fun, kill some time. Yeah, and so that's that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the diplomacy type stuff. Because basically, like if you're playing with people that you're going to play with again, yeah, you can screw somebody over, like. Because there, there was negotiating where I'd be like, I'm influencing Poland. Then John influenced me out of it. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. are you trying to piss me off? Right. Like, what the fuck do you care about Poland? You know, like, <laughs> like I, I at one point I just said, if anybody puts any diplomatic influence on any country that borders me, you're going to fucking pay later on in the day. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> so if you play the game like that, I think the game becomes... The, the player interaction becomes the fun part of the game. Sure. Because the, yes. the, the mechanics of triumph and tragedy don't get in the way of that. So I thought that was the best part. Where you, there was so much shit talking and me being like, what the fuck? Like the Western allies and the Soviets are yelling at each other all the time because the Western allies are like, hello, can you help me out a little bit? And you're like, Is, at some point, are you going to fight the Germans? <laughs> And, and the Soviets are like, yeah. we're almost there. We're almost ready. Just give us two more turns. <laughs> so I We thought, just need a million more damn. people to throw out this thing. Right. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was really great, though. I thought it, it really went well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that one But, you, but wanna, sober, don't, don't try even try it. sober. You got to just play it. <laughs> it has, it has to be drunk time? Yeah, it's I a think you got to play that one drunk. And Justin, well, Justin that has already, yeah, B-Mode had already reviewed it, but it is definitely a drunk game yeah. because you do not need to know very much to play the game. So, and, ba and, and basically the combat, I think, is just like uh, uh, different units fight differently against different types of units. So, like a, an yeah, Air right, Force right. can fight against a naval unit or Air Force can fight against an army. They all fight, but they, certain units are good. Like the other thing I thought was I didn't think air units were that great because they're really only good at fighting against other air units. Yeah, they were pretty nerfed. On but that, until I so we too. developed strategic bombing, and once strategic bombing came in, then we were like, oh, snap, that's why. Because... Oh, oh yeah. Okay. That once never once they start okay, doing strategic bombing, then then you're like thanking God that you have Air Force units to protect you. Gotcha. So that's it. So that's trying from tragedy. Cool. So, uh, and I, I guess you guys have games that you want to review. Probably. I mean, that's not a review. I I'm actually going to review a little bit of Tenka Toitsu. Tenka Toitsu. So, but you guys can go ahead. Uh, Jason, do you want to go first, or Mark, you want to go? No, Mark, go ahead. Yep. I'm 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 gonna go get another one of my sweet drinks here, which is apparently overly sweet. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm 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 empty too. Let me uh, let me uh, top off here before I get yeah. into this. All right. 
God, how did my recipe go so wrong? I've been making these things for a long time now. So the problem is I'm putting the sugar in the bottom of a Manhattan, basically. Or you're putting vermouth in your old fashioned. But rye, so rye and vermouth would be a Manhattan. Right. And then rye and sugar is an old fashioned. So I I, I have an old fashioned Manhattan. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Which which actually doesn't sound bad. It's sweet, but I like yeah. it. So I, I'm I sure. can see it being sweet. Yeah. That, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll be back in a second. Sure. Yeah. I just brought the bottle to the computer with me, so I'll continue sipping. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Switch to Tullamore Dew now. I think I'll save the good stuff for, uh, <laughs> for later you on. You know, yeah, <laughs> right. At this point, it sure. doesn't matter. Uh, of Irish whiskeys, Tullamore Dew is probably the one I would I would choose. Uh, to yeah, drink. I like that yeah. one the best. I think. Right, I'm back. Uh, not a huge Irish whiskey fan. It's dangerous stuff, dude. Down down that down that route, madness lies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bought a bottle of Tullamore Dew when I was coming back from Iraq. We, we flew through um, Shannon, Ireland, and I we <laughs> so it was obviously dry when we were in Iraq, and that was the first time we were able to drink, and so everybody just got blitzed out. Like the the it, we were right. there at like two o'clock in the morning, and they opened a bar just for us, and then the oh, nice. free shop was open. And so, you know, everybody's pounding Guinness and stuff like that because we're in Ireland. And so I bought a bottle of Tillamore Dew and a bottle of Jameson at the Duty Free. And we went like an R&R weekend while we were out processing and drank the entire bottle of Tillamore Dew on a, on a Saturday. We, we went to like a, a ski resort or whatever. And I don't ski. In no, in actually in uh, New Mexico when we were out processing back, back oh, in the states, okay. so we oh, I got you. Okay. back through Ireland to the U.S. Uh, and we were oh, at Fort okay. Bliss, and so we drove up to New Mexico and went skiing. And I almost broke my back when I was like twelve skiing. So I don't ski, uh, but I really like drinking, obviously. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll go with you. I like the snow. I, I'm just not gonna waste money to hurt myself." Uh, so <laughs> everybody went skiing, and I. I, had, I kept the keys to the rental car and kept my bottle in there and would go fill up my, my styrofoam cup with Tillamore Dew and uh, really enjoyed that. But the, the the Jameson has like a, I don't know, there's something in there. I don't. It has a perfumey taste I don't like to it. Yeah, it has a yeah. scent to it. I prefer but, but, Bushmills to Jameson. Really? Bushmills doesn't have that? So Does not have that. Bushmills. Bushmills is a very smooth... Jameson has a perfumey smell to it. Yeah, that I even in my like. coffee, like at work, we have the these coffees that just have that, like yeah, that like floral perfuminess yeah. that I, I I don't care. For I don't like it. Bushmills is much smoother, I think. But over bourbon, you would you would still drink? Oh yeah, Irish whiskey. Yeah, yeah. but it, you know, if I was to be smart about it, I would stay away from it because Irish whiskey with a little <laughs> bit of water and ice, you can just drink it for all day long and just get fall and fall. Fall into take the abyss. <laughs> take a nap at 9 p.m. Sweet yeah. abyss. That's what I'm shooting for. All right, Mark. 
Uh, oh, hey, so real quick, Mark, okay. are you playing any other games besides the one yeah. that you're uh, you're going to review? Got any games you're playing right now? Any hot games on the table? Uh, no, I was uh, playing. Uh, God, I forgot to mention the Kingdom of Heaven. I was playing that with Brad, nice. and I had that on the solo. Till, um, um, I was tr- just to try and learn it, but uh, but uh, the card-driven games to solo. Yeah, right. uh, Right. It can be it can be tough. It can be kind of hard, you know. I mean, to learn it, you do it because you got to learn it. But just to to uh, play it. But actually, I'm um, soloing this one I'm about to review just because I wanted to get you know up to speed again. But um, that's kind of what's on my solo table right now. And next after that, I don't know what I'm going to do after that. I, I think I might want to try to learn Labyrinth, but that's again, that's another card-driven game that. Yeah, you should be able to jump right into that though. Yeah, it didn't look that hard. I sat in on a, on a game that. Uh, it's it. Um, I'm it's, a, it's a game I play, so it's it's not that hard. Yeah, the the CDGs can be hard to, to solo, but like Axis Empires, like Totaler Craig and then Dicenso, I think uh, that one is not hidden hands. So sure. So so though it's yeah, is that's kind of like a card that uh, like. Like an event card, so to speak, that kind of drives the the action of the yeah, turn. Right, is that how that works? No, like ops decisions, and there's no hidden hand. Yes. That every player knows, so you can totally just run through it solo and just. I mean, it's basically like a choose your own adventure type card deck. You know, mm-hmm. like you got to get if you're going to pick this, you got to get rid of that card and, and and that kind of stuff. You know, so yeah, I think they're fun to play against. You know, opposed, but. Uh... I mean, they're a blast yeah. to play opposed, but um, solo they just leave something. Even with that uh, solo CDG method, you you know that you know that video Stuka Joe put out. He kind of put out a method you could use to uh, play CDG solo. Okay, yeah. And, um, it yeah, it, it, it's it's serviceable. It's pretty. I mean, it, it makes it a little bit better than just trying to like you know play two players at once, but. Uh, I think Hex Encounter is yeah. just a lot better for, you know, sitting at home. All right, so what do you got for the review? At night. Yeah, for the review, I got uh, the Spanish Civil War of 1936 to 1939. It is a, uh, a GMT joint. Uh, year 2010 was when it was published, and now it's out of print now, um, but you can probably find a copy uh, on the geek market, or I think I saw a couple – copies at the warehouse you know on what is it called jeans jeans palette or whatever it is i don't know if i'm allowed to say that okay so if you do want it you know uh head up there and you can you can get it for 50 bucks but it's uh it's a hex encounter kind of i go you go straight kind of game um it's an operational in scale i guess you can almost say grand operational if that's a thing because the turns are about two months each between one and two months and uh most of the units are either well they start off as uh columns which in the spanish civil war were like those uh just mix you know hodgepodge units to fight the beginning phases of you know they would contain police and like veterans and all that kind of stuff and militia members. And then later in the game, they turn into brigades and divisions. Um, the VP scale is measured in re- Republican morale points, which I think isn't uncommon for games on this topic. So as the Republicans lose morale points by losing 
cities or through certain events, um, they'll lose morale points. And if they get to zero from a starting point of 40 for the campaign, they'll end up losing. But if they uh, stay above you know, one or more, they, they, they can win. Um, yeah, the, it, uh, the sequence of play is pretty straightforward as far as like war games go. Um, they do start with a chit draw in the beginning. Each side, like the Nationalist, then the uh, Republican, which are the two the two sides in this, will uh, draw a chit, and it take uh, a chit is the uh, has an event on the back of it, some kind of small event um, that you know something from that from that war, and these events aren't real. Uh, they're not anything that's going to change the game, but they're just little things that happen that like might might force you to like move some units to this city to like try and take it back. Or maybe you'll get like aid from Russia, the Republican will, and that'll give you another resource point to use during that uh, turn. Kind of things like that. Something that might boost you up a little, but doesn't. Uh, it's not going to wreck your plans most of the time. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Just kind of adding kind some of historicity into it. E exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so from there, you know, the each side will get its. Um, uh, they'll get their resource points. Their um, reinforcements and everything like that and then it goes into um uh combat or movement and combat just like any other games usually do um in the beginning of the in the game the, it's the, the 1936 turns it's actually a, a mini scenario it's called the war columns and it's just uh, the, basically the war between the republican and the nationalist just with their column units not with their more uh, militarized and disciplined uh, divisions um, this is a is an interesting period in this because the the, the columns are very weak typically they, they don't have very strong attack values um, and it, it can be a real uh, trial to kind of get anything going with these um, it, the Republicans start off controlling most of Spain except for like the northern or actually they control the northern coast of it. And then the, the nationalists have like some other areas in the north and some enclaves in the south. Um, and the uh, Republicans, uh, they're, they're kind of hamstrung by their political allegiances. So they have a lot of their columns are mixed and others will have like they're stuck with certain political allegiances like anarchists and Marxists and communists. And a lot of these can't work together. You know, they have to, they can't stack together and they can't work together because in the war they were, you know, they didn't have the same agenda. Sure. You know what I mean? And uh, so that, that kind of, you have to keep that in mind when you're trying to plan attacks and move things around. And also they're, they're stuck with the insubordination. They have to make an insubordination role before every attack. So there's a chance that if you get a one, your attack just stalls. <laughs> You know, and if the attack is like, I think it's two or three, you get a minus one DRM to the to the roll. So in this, know, turns one and two, you get a minus two. There's just a flat minus two modifier to this roll. So you can get everything in order, commit all your air support that you wanted to use, and then it's just and it just stops. Nothing happens. You know, they just took the model of the, the confusion that they had on the, the battlefield at that time. And that's kind of fun to, to yeah. And I, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm kind of without scripting it necessarily kind of yeah it's a nice little it, piece of yeah. chrome that kind of that uh it's nothing big you don't have to like look up a bunch of charts or anything like that but it's just something that kind of adds that to it 
Um, the nationalists on the other side, they're, they're a little stronger in the beginning. They have a lot of these uh, reinforcements and units, the colonial columns, the ones that were fighting in Morocco at the time. And they're coming into the, into the uh, battle through like the South, through Seville and uh, Cadiz and everything. They're stronger. They have an advantage when fighting these, like these shitty Republican units, but uh, the units in the North zone start up under this uh, ammo shortages. So they can't, uh, uh, they have like a, what is it? A minus one DRM to attack because they, they can't get the uh, ammo from the South. So anytime I'm sorry, as soon as they can trace a line of supply to the south, that gets lifted. But until then, they're at that disadvantage. So those northern Republican cities like Bilbao and Santander and Gijon, they it's hard for them to really uh, mount an attack on them. So that, that front tends to stall for a bit. So that, that's yeah. probably a Republican um, strategy then to try to link up with those guys. So. Yeah. Yeah, what they what you in the early part it really pays to jam up is a rail line that goes from the south all the way to the north, um, from their one supply center for that side, and then uh, if you can like, there's a couple cities right on that rail line. If you can dig in with a like a good stack of units on that rail line, you you can really disrupt their their supply for that, and then so that can, would keep them out of. Uh, with that ammo shortage for like as long as possible. It lifts automatically, I think on turn seven, but um, until then it, it can stall that Northern offensive. So, so well. a typical play of this game, how long is it going to end up taking? What's the duration to play from start to finish? Oh, I can't remember what it said on the back of the box. If you were to sit down like at like, like face to face at a con, it would probably take, I would imagine like four hours, something like that. That's not too bad. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 okay. There's, I mean, there's a couple of sudden death um, victory conditions. Like I said before, you can win with if you, at the end of it, you just have one morale point standing. But the nationalists can win if they take Madrid in 1936. So if they can get enough people in there to knock that out, they'll win automatically. And then the Republicans auto like auto victories if they can get. 10 VPs worth of nationalist cities and hold those for one. Time. So now do foreigners show up to like the. Yeah. Like the international brigades and everything like that. The, the volunteers. Yeah. Those guys come in. They're, they're pretty shitty. Yeah. They're not real. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not much help, but uh, as the, as the war progresses, you get out of 1936, you go into 1937. That's when, the units will start to convert. So you have your Republican units that will, on the other side of the counter, you just flip them over. There's a schedule for all of this, but they convert to their People's Republican Army side. And likewise, the Nationals do the same thing. So at that point, the, the, the forces cease to be these like ragtag columns and they start converting into like these more... Um, you know, real army kind of units, and then in turn, their strength and their uh, defense factors go up, and then you can, then it turns into more of a of a real fight that you can rely on. You're no longer rolling for insubordination. There's no longer any you know DRM penalties for anything, and, and so the game actually has kind of like a it has it's got two phases almost, or two different kind of feelings that way. You know, like in the beginning, it's you're working, you're doing what you can with these crappy units, and then it turns 
slowly into something a little more normal and reliable. Sure. So I always, I always liked that part about it. Um, I guess if I, if I would have make any, uh, you know, a couple of criticisms, I, the conversion with withdrawal process tend to go very slowly because you got to search for all these, it's, it's pretty counter dense. You know, there's a lot of pieces and there's the, with the, the militarization schedule, you got to kind of go search for all of these and like withdraw it or flip it over. And it, it takes a <laughs> It takes about half hour just to, to, to do yeah. all that shit. You know that what I mean? It's, so it's a, so it's a it's a lot of work on that. But um, but otherwise, that's it's really uh, you know the the other thing that like the sort of Republican morale markers they 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 look just like the resource point markers. That bothered me a little bit because you know you're moving one when you think it's the other. At least I am when I have three whiskeys yeah. in at night and trying to trying to do that. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> at the setup and I'm I'm seeing some of the counters look. Or some of the markers look really, really similar. Yeah, they, they are. I would have liked to see like the the, the morale marker maybe have a like a different color or a different like a uh, neutral color. Yeah, something that just like pops out from the rest of them. But um, so yeah, that's that's so really the only problem I had with straight hex encounter. For some reason, I always straight hex I always This was a card driven game. There is one that's a card-driven game. It's called Crusade and Revolution, and that one's I think it's by Compass Games. Um, that's the the card-driven like side of this one. I've I've always wanted to try it. And if anybody if anybody's going to the con and has it, and wants have been itching to play it, just let me know. I'd be I'd be curious to give it a go. Um, but I, I've only I've only watched like a, a video about that one. Yeah. You know, I I haven't seen uh, how that and, and never really yeah. played it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've even heard of that one. I was thinking this one specifically. This <laughs> and maybe it's just the boxer for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't oh, know. Okay, getting that. that's that's funny. Yeah, but it's it's easy to this one would be easy to like do play by email because there's I mean the combat doesn't have retreats. It just has uh, you know. Whatever you take, whatever losses you have, and whatever losses the defender can't fulfill, that just translates into extra advance hexes for the attacker. So, oh, that's cool. You don't got to go back and forth on email if you're and on PBM if you're trying to do retreats. I mean, games I've played, we didn't really give a shit. But I guess some people might be particular like about how the you know losses are allocated or whatever. Yeah, right. So they just uh, stacks melt away, and then if you know they had to take three step losses but only had one step in the hex. That required you can move two bonus hexes in the advance and maybe you know punch through the sure. line a little bit. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's easy. It's it's I, I think I've soloed it maybe five times now. I like to just set it up and like I said, uh, nighttime, everybody's asleep. Pour a little uh, pour a little good <laughs> stuff and come and just push some push some counters around. It's 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 great for that in the hex encounter way, you know. That's cool. Um. Oh. Yes, Dave. Dave dropped. Dave's back in. Yeah, sorry, sorry, boys. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I fucking. I have such an old Mac, dude. It's like my Mac is like dying. It can't handle all these programs. <laughs> right on. All right, so Jason, don't rely on me for any recording no, because no, well, yeah, my Mac has decided it's not going to record. Yeah, mine's still going. I think it's all right. Right on. Yeah, it looks all square. It looks cool for me. This looks kind of like. Um, 
I'm a fan of the uh, the MMP Russo Japanese War game, where it's just kind of it's opposed. It's not great, and it's probably and, and that's a shorter game, but opposed and it's fine. But it's like I, I I really enjoy just setting it up solo and kind of playing through the history. I, I like that conflict. Are you a Spanish Civil War guy? Or just- yeah, I, I'm interested in that. Yeah, I like that conflict. I, I've I've read. A book about it a book or two i don't remember much sure, from them, yeah, but i, I, I did read them you know and the, but it's uh I, ever since i read you know uh what was it the, for whom the sure. bell tolls back in the back in the day this one is really that's such a like a just the conflict the, itself is it's really something yeah, the, you know? the greater story of it is fascinating and right. how it kind of was used by everybody to do different things than just the you know the actual conflict itself such a right, crazy right. Time it's like a proxy war in that way, and it's also you could. I mean, if you take the you know the thirty thousand foot view, it's almost like it, it's the the dying breath of the Spanish Empire. Mm-hmm. This thing is, you know, it, it's it's really all boils down to like they have to you know two hundred years of you know losing colonies and losing prestige <laughs> and you know all that kind of. It comes down to this this moment where it all kind of poof, you know, blows up and then. Well, well, yeah, I, I once read a really good book. I, I've got it in the library. It's called The uh, Legion of Death, uh-huh. and it's about the Spanish Foreign Legion. So everyone knows a lot about the French Foreign Legion, but the Spanish also had a Foreign Legion. And it's that's one of the units, I think, that was brought back to fight for the the uh, nationalists yeah. in Spain. It was probably in like Africa, those, wasn't it, at the time? That's right. Yeah, they were fighting in Morocco and against the Berbers. And... Yeah, yeah, they, that's the... There are reinforcements for this game. It's a lot of those colonial forces, and they're really in the beginning phases. They're really strong. Those were, I mean, they they were they were actually practiced at what they were doing, you know. Now, have you played any other Spanish Civil War games? Like, what's the one that like Las Barracadas? Yeah, that one's the tactical are... level. I haven't looked. That one didn't grab me too much. But me and Jason were talking we, uh, about the uh, Crusade and Revolution, which is the other card-driven kind of strategic level game. I haven't played that one yet. And I do. I, I'd like to. I might, if it goes on sale, I might actually pick it up as well. I don't know. All right, cool. So, have you already given the stars? And no, or? I haven't. Uh, uh, beers, easily 10. I mean, this is not a, a complicated rule set. Anybody who's been at this, I mean, it didn't take me. I'm as a newer to figure this one out. Anybody's doing this for a while is going to breeze right through it. And uh, fun, I, I would say, uh, I'd give it like, a, I'd say 7, 8. Maybe give it a, give it a seven. It's not a game that's going to make anybody's head spin or blow anybody's minds, you know. But if you do like the, uh, the the subject matter and you're looking for something that just you know you can chill out to with at home, um, I would recommend it. I dig it. Well, cool. And right. Is it one of those games that is almost better to play just to experience like the history of? I'm I'm interested in this, so I'm going to play it through um, solo and kind of tinker with it. Yes, it, it works very well like that because these events throughout the. I mean, there's probably a list of God, how many are there? Probably thirty events that you can draw, and they each resemble, uh, represent something that happened during that. That's so cool. you can have these come in and uh, you know affect the game in certain ways. So in that way, you get a lot of the, the historical flavor for it. Yeah, I, I, I haven't played this against anybody else. I, I, I really do enjoy just playing this by myself. So, um, it's nothing wrong know, with that. Take that for what it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> sometimes that. Sometimes all right, one so. and a half year old and playing a game by yourself is all you can get. That's <laughs> that quiet time is and priceless, that's, and that's also allegory. We know we got. It. I think we're following. <laughs> yeah, we got. It. We're okay. It's subtle. Yeah, yeah. It's subtle. But we call it subtlety yeah. is my forte. So I, I would like to do a review of a game, and, and, and this is a game that I'm not even really sure how to play I, it yet. Uh-huh. I am so interested in this game. This game is so strange. I don't think I've ever played a game that's quite like it. And the name of it is, and I'm going to pronounce this correctly, you motherfuckers, because I studied Japanese for three years in college. And it is Tenka Toitsu. Tenka Toitsu. Nice. So I should actually probably put myself on a permanent talk because otherwise I'm going to have to fucking press the button all the time. So let me do that real quick. Uh, All right. Nice. So, uh, so basically the premise of Tenka Toitsu is these are the unification battles that were fought in Japan. Uh, I'm not going to get into like what years they were because I will not care. This is this is tactical level like samurai clan warfare. All right. So basically, these battles there's three battles that are in the game. So let me run through it real quick. So the interesting things about the game the 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 there's individual maps for each of the battles, and there's also a map for like a fortress that I think you're supposed to fight through. Like the units can actually move. I haven't, I haven't explored the part about the fortress because there's so much more to the game that I'm trying to like grok that I haven't even gotten to the fortress part. Um, but there is like a fortress that I think you could actually fight, put your units in and you like the guys will like try to like do the siege is and fight or whatever. Or is it a different, different fortress? The other one? No, it's, um, uh, let's see. It's, it's the fortress of Shori Uji Jo. Does that answer your question, Jason? I would have gotten there eventually. <laughs> it's the Battle okay. of Yamazaki, fifteen eighty-two. Because because this is uh, there's there's basically three battles. There's Yamazaki, which is fifteen eighty-two. There's the one that I have played, which is Nagakute. 1584, and then there's Sekigahara, which is 1600. So I guess uh, Shori-Uji-Jo is part of the Yamazaki battle. So so the idea is basically the way the the game works is you have clans. So uh, each, each side in a battle will have a number of units, and the units are counters. And these these counters are associated with each other based on the fact that that they're clans. They have clan associations, mm-hmm. so they'll have the same uh, symbols on them, and they will have like a letter or something on them that, that denotes that like all the A's are from one clan and all the B's are from the other this clan. And so, so the idea is the clans are supposed to stick together in a battle. Um, the clans are rated on Elan, like how how good they are at fighting, maybe like how good their morale mm-hmm. is. And then mass, how big they are, and then uh, 
like uh, musketry, how many muskets they have. And then if they have any leadership, like if there's a, a particular leader within a unit that would have some leadership that could help the unit. So, so the counters, they, 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 they're, they're very big and bulky. And, uh, so it can get they're, they're, when you first like lay out a battle, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do here. Like the battles are very like, <laughs> like the battles are very like like the one I played. It was like I was like I'm not clear. Like basically, I had one where when Nagakute like basically they this one guy has invaded and uh, Tokugawa has responded to the invasion. So he, so the invading guy's forces are divided. But they're not, they're surprised by the arrival of Tokugawa. So he has an advanced guard force that can, like, kind of jump on the, the advanced guard of the enemy and try to fuck them up before the reinforcements show up. But when you look at it, you're like, wow, like, I don't know what I should be doing at this point. Like, I'm not clear. So basically, the way it works is um, each clan has orders they can be given, like attack or uh move or defense or regroup and it's complicated by the fact a little bit by the fact that this is a french game from hexasim so not all the translation has gone through to the counter that was my first okay so so you have to get used to the fact that the if i remember correctly the order counters do not match the american or english versions of the the orders oh, so wow so you, like move like movement might be like like something different yeah right like so the, so that that's a little challenging so but the general idea is that your clans you can give orders to your clans and they have these these numbers of orders so the, the 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 cool part about the way the game works is you have like this kind of grand strategy that you're going to give to your guys and it's it's basically the the battle plan that you've decided ahead of the battle and these battle plans are named things like cranes wings whirling winds lock uh long snake scale flying bird arrowhead so basically the idea is when you pick a battle plan for your army ahead of time it, it tells you what orders your units can have might restrict the orders your clans can addition initially have but it also gives you a bunch of special tactics that your units can use like they might be able to use special attacks or special retreats so so when you get ready to fight the battle basically you have uh you have your guys, you have an idea of what you want to do, and it's it's a chip-pull game in, in, in its actual creation. So there's a chip-pull bowl that you're pulling mm -hmm. from. There's certain chits that are obligatory. These chits have to be pulled before the turn can end. Oh. And so the chits are, and I'm, I'm, it's going to be hard for me to explain this game to you guys because... The game is very, very different from anything we've ever seen. So, I'm trying to find where the fucking obligatory shit is. So, um, let's see. Command sequence. 
Yeah, so the obligatory chits are like uh, regroup, like basically regroup, attack, move, like those things. And uh, once those five have been picked and selected out of the cup, it, the turn's over. Uh, and this is important because with your with your uh, army commander, you can roll for command points and you can pick clans counters out and throw them into the bowl too. So those clans sit there, when they pop out, you can either change their orders or you can give them a special battle tactic from your battle plan. Like if Jason's got the long snake waiting for Mark and Mark's bending over and he doesn't realize <laughs> yeah, the long coming. snake's coming, <laughs> Jason might be able to pull out that clan and be like, assigning this clan this, this particular tactic from long snake, <laughs> right? But the problem is if, uh, when he's pulling all the chits out, Jason pulls out the five or the players pull out the five obligatory chits and they fall down. Then the clans that are left in the, in the kettle, they don't get pulled. They're done. So then he takes them out and then you have to figure out why they didn't get their orders. So you roll on dice oh, to wow. see, oh, maybe the daimyo was mad when they showed up, or the daimyo felt the messenger was disrespectful, or this clan leader felt like, or the guy got lost, or he got, you know, so there's, they get delayed, so these different shits can be. Oh, so that's it's, a it's cool kind mechanic. It's a cool system. Isn't yeah, it cool? That's, that's, right. Well, the, the, so basically, the deal is, so let me explain. I'm doing it. It's hard for me to explain this game, one, because I've had like fucking 13 <laughs> of my, my, my old-fashioned old Manhattans, but I'm going to try to do it. So um, when, when you're doing your command stuff, you roll for command points for the general that you have for the battle. Like it might be Tokugawa or who. So for each one command point you get, you can take one of your clan counters that matches a clan, which could be a group of one, two, four, five. You don't know. It depends on the size of the clan. You take that chit and you plop it into the, the bucket, the, the chit bowl cup, which would be cool if it was like a teacup. Let's call it a teacup. Teacup. So, teacup. so you throw it in there. So you might have a bunch of uh, command points that you want to use. But here's the kicker. You don't necessarily get to activate your battle plan right away. So you might have picked Long Snake. Your choice is you can either use individual command points to throw clan shits into the teacup, or you can save them to get a chance to roll to activate your big battle plan that you wanted, like Long Snake. So until Long Snake activates, you can't use clans to pick special tactics from that. Like Long Snake might say four clans can move super fast, or three clans can attack at plus two. They've got, a, and you have to plan that shit out in advance. You have to write it. So, all right, I'm, I'm again getting excited, getting ahead of myself. So, so it's basically, right. the idea, the idea is, the, the the cool aspect is, so you're putting clans in the in the teacup. At the end, if you pull your obligatories and there's still clans left in there, they may be delayed. They, may, you know, whatever guys didn't want to listen. The other cool part is, you might have clans attack. Two clans might attack the same opponent. You have to roll. And if you, your dice don't work out for you, the clans won't work together. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if units aren't from the same clan, they might not attack. Like one clan might be like, no, so we'll let that clan attack. Card. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, they're like, the clans aren't. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're not loyal to each other, really. So. That sounds interesting. So 
so the uh, the interesting part then for the the tactics is like I'll use one example. I've used long snake a bunch of times. So let me talk about what long snake does. Let's say you're at the beginning of the battle. You decided the long snake was going to be your strategy. So long snake says, and the other cool thing about it is they use the Japanese words all throughout. So you can like, you know, there's a there's a Japanese like if you want to do ambush, it's fuku. Oh, that's cool. Like you can pick, you can you can use all the words. So when you pick long snake as your battle plan, you do this at the beginning of the battle. You get two opportunities to use totsugeki, which is assault. It's like a full on assault. Uh, two opportunities to do kotai, which is retreat. One opportunity to do kido, which is a combined maneuver. And two opportunities to do ashibaya, which is fast movement. But when you're doing these moves and you're dropping these clanchets in, you have to write down on the paper for the, the, or the battle plan which clan is going to do it and what turn they're going to do it in. So when that clan shit comes out, you don't get to choose like, like if you decide that I'm going to have this clan do the Totsugeki, which is like a super attack where like bonsai against them and they get plus two for their attack. You don't get to, you, that's, they're, they're getting that. You don't get to pick it. So, so you have to plan in advance for these special tactics. And, and all the orders, all the battle plans have different special tactics. Like, like if you do Hoshi Arrowhead, you get uh, eight Totsugekis. So that's super assaults. It's basically an impetuous and massive charge. But the downside is you get three katakatas, which is impetuous attack. If you get a katakata, that means your opponent gets the katakata chit and puts it in the teacup. And when he pulls it, it gets pulled, he can make one of your guys attack. Even though they shouldn't necessarily attack in that situation. But the idea is they're impetuous. Wow. So, so that part's super deep. And that's just the orders and the chit pulling. I mean, we're not even getting into like <laughs> the and ideas the that like, <clears throat> yeah. So, so basically it's like when you, the idea is like, say you guys who, who have guys who are on attack orders and you pull the attack chip, then all the guys who are on attack attack, they're going to, your guys are going to, they're going to rush in. They're going to, uh, they got to, you have to have a spearhead unit and then the rest of the clan guys will follow them. It's the same with moving. Uh, now, so your choices are like regroup guys can fall back. Uh, moving guys are better at marching. They can use roads. Uh, if you guys have an attack order guys, they're going to be like bonsai guys that are coming in to just fucking assault you. Um, but then, so some shit you're going to pull out are clan, clan orders. Like I said, you're going to put the clan in the teacup. So those might be clans that you gave uh, specific battle plan special tactics to, like Gotsugeki or whatever, and uh, or maybe you just want to change that clan's orders. You could do that. So, <laughs> it's so basically the other things that can happen in the game is you you can have leadership that's going to help you. So you might wonder like how does combat work? So a clan's going to attack another clan. So there's a chart that sets it up for you. And there's basically blue dice and red dice. 
And there's not a lot of an explanation for what the difference is between blue dice and red dice, but based on what type of attack you're doing, sometimes your Elan matters on the blue dice, and sometimes your mass matters on the red dice. Oh, interesting. Sometimes your firepower matters. So, so for example, to run through it, if an attacking unit, which moved to come into contact with the enemy unit, it is then doing what's called a Shingeki, which is an assault. So we're talking two sets of dice. So it's double, double dice, so 2d6. The blue d6, 2d6, add the Elan, which is normally like two, three, something like that. The, the uh, red d6 that are rolled by the attacker add the mass, which is how big the unit is. Okay. Any other attacking, any other attacking unit, the blue, blue d6, don't get it added to it. The red dice, this is just a general melee, which is called a Ronsen. Basically, it's like if units are just fighting, they're, they're in zone controls, they're fighting. Then you just add your Elan and your mass. So the only time you get your add your Elan to the blue dice is when an attacking unit moves into contact. Mm, sure. The idea is that Elan, right, is helping them. So then we look at combat types for the defender. If the unit defending is also having attack orders and they're fighting a moving attacker, they basically get the same benefits that the attacker gets with the assault. So it's like, they're like, fuck you, we're fucking coming right at you, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you're adding your Elan, we're subtracting our Elan. You're adding your mass to the red dice, we're, we're subtracting our mass. So they're like, it's basically like the two forces are surging but towards the each attacker other. Right. But but the modifiers are all wiping right, each other sense. out. So if a unit with if a unit with a three along and a three mass uh, charges against a unit with attack orders that is a two along and a two mass, one less, they would add the attacker would add plus one to the blue dice and plus sure. one to the red dice. Because the difference between them was one. But so let's say a unit does not have attack orders. Then on the blue dice, they get to subtract their firepower, their musketry. Because now they're not attacking. So now they get to shoot muskets at the guys as they're coming in. Because they're defending. They're defending. Yeah, so it's like, dude, I mean, there is a lot to, and, and I'm not clear on what, like, basically, it's a matrix, right? So you have blue running. Small yeah, or high on the top, yeah. and yeah, and I'm not clear on like, I, like obviously you if you run in the middle, it's going to be like, like whatever. Each guy loses one, uh, but you got to be low, low or high, high to really get good results. And are the are the dashes on the CRT no result? Wow, that's right. I mean that's uh, that's what I think. I think that's. I mean I played I played it a bit. I gotta say, it's it's so alien that it was like, <laughs> I, I'm Mitch. Mitch is actually down here this this week, so I'm hoping if Mitch comes yeah. up, we can play this because I I think you really have to play it against somebody. Um, the charts are really seem really good. I mean, they are very clear on what the costs are for moving, and, uh, and so basically each each uh, samurai unit can each each uh, samurai unit can take like. Uh, up to th up to four hits, I think, before it's eliminated. So they take one. There's a little wound marker, and then they flip, and then they take two, three, four. So, uh, but.
But yeah, they could, you could rally losses back. So there's some strategy. Some of the battle plans involve attacking and then immediately pulling all your guys back and trying to rally <laughs> them and then attacking again sure. in waves. So, uh, so, so, some, so some of the others. So some of the other stuff just to run through it. So I don't know if I've done a great job. Do you guys kind of get it? Yeah. yeah. I, and it looks it looks beautiful on the map. So some of the other cool things are basically say you kill units that have uh, leaders. Like leaders really help mm -hmm. because they can modify either track, the blue or the red combat track. You, they're flexible. So if you think you're doing shitty on the red track in a particular combat, you can have a leader in your clan influence that. So you can you can just um, inflate the mass then, right? So or mass might not be on the red. Oh, depending okay, on okay. the way the fight works, like mass might one mass might on one fight be on red, one might might be in blue. Uh -huh. The nice thing about leaders is they can be on either one based on your choice. Um, okay, but if they die, you get extra points. And, and then I think affects your command later on. It's called like burrito, no, not burrito, but like burrito. <laughs> yeah, I got excited. Like burrito. Yeah, right. Mm, burrito. Or something like that. There's there's some marker I don't have right now that I can look at. But um, And then the other cool thing is uh, they, they have rules like uh, there's fatigue rules. There's rules for fighting at night. Uh, there's this whole, like I said, this whole section on fighting in a fortress. Which I didn't even skip. I skipped that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at that. But then there's samurai rules. So when one army is gaining the upper hand, the other army may invoke a heroic samurai. When the victory point marker reaches a samurai line marked on the victory point track, the army with the lowest VP total can bring one of his available samurai markers into play immediately, uh, place it immediately into the bowl. So the samurai basically lets you. Uh, when you draw the samurai marker, you can immediately try to rally a chosen unit or automatically switch it to attack and be activated as if its clan shit had been drawn. It's a unit with samurai markers like any other unit with a leadership value. So basically, it's cool. They have all these extra rules that are the samurai give you some chance to like, things are tragic. We can't possibly come back. But yet this one heroic samurai rises from the ranks and is going to lead us back. Nice. So nice. So um, yeah, so I'm not sure about the replayability. I mean, like I said, I've only played part of one battle. There's three battles, um, and I think this is the second game in the series. I think there was one previously done. Oh, um, I think they had a previous game, and it's beautiful. It's from Hexasims, of course. It's yeah. a wonderful game, but it looks pretty. Yeah, the art's great. The the oh yeah, yeah so here's the problem. Awesome. The the attack is attackway. Attackway. And the move the move is de deplace. And I'm like, fuck, I'm <laughs> deplace. It's hard to remember that. I think I think attack is is close enough. But displace. Yeah, so. attack's close enough right here. But de but deplace, I'm like, what? So are the are the rules written in like that French English mix up or is it just a few terms they use that are yeah, no, the, the rules are all straight English. The only the only time you get a little confused is when you're looking at the counters. The counters, so okay, the counters okay. are the, the counters are the same. But they do also a great job of writing the rules and having sidebar. So really the rules, while well, you have full page, the rules are half the page. And then sidebar is the whole other thing where they run through examples. Oh, nice. I like, I like it when they do that. And they have, yeah, and they have sections of the, the, the uh, 
cheat sheets to show you how units move and the, the terrain charts are all all in the side charts so uh, basically 50% of the book is the rules the other 50% is all the side charts it's cool. so it's, it's good I mean very nice so basically like here's the kind of stuff you deal with messenger table this is when your your uh, your clan shit was pulled out at the end of the turn because you played all your obligatory chits and and when I mentioned knight and fatigue the difference with those is uh, knight and fatigue turns in more quickly because they require less obligatory chits to end so basically with a normal daytime turn if you pull out the move the regroup both combat for both sides and then the the uh, uh, attack one then the turn's over so. Mm -hmm. So then, then you, you say, oh, well, I got a bunch of clan shits left in here. So the, the, the number one result when you roll and die is the order is delivered by the messenger, but without the proper etiquette. <laughs> what an insult. The order is ignored. Place the shit in the reserve box. So that clan shit goes back in the reserve box. Number two is the order is delivered by the messenger, but the daimyo has a different idea. He sends back the messenger with a counter proposal. The order is ignored. Place the chit in the reserve wow. box. So yeah, I think if you if you you're into this type of history, it's, it's the way to go. So, but again, gameplay not sure. So yeah, it it's is. gorgeous. Yeah, I saw the. Yeah, it looks it looks great. Have, have either of you played a, a most dangerous time? Have either of you tried Try. that one? I I, I well, Jason. I think sent. I have his copy. <laughs> I, I tried to play it. And yeah, make it I have it. laid it out. Okay, so I'm not the only one because I, I I picked up a I, I scored a copy at the at GMT. There was a, like some free games given given out, and I I scored that one. And yeah, I I, I looked through it, and this is really hard. No, I, I laid it out, and then I see also some German guy that's trying to play it, like always is trying to like hope, hopefully post rule questions on the BGG side, like, hey, so what's a, like every turn it seems he has fourteen different <laughs> questions about how to play the game. It looks super cool. I think one day yeah, it will be maybe. okay. The counters look great. I like you know someone got the blood splashes on them and all that. Other, oh know. no, it looks awesome, dude. It looks great. I think I I like. I wouldn't sell it, but one day it will be a game that can be. <laughs> I, I couldn't find it. Yeah, so for Tenko Toitsu, I think it's great if you really like Japanese type warfare. You're gonna want it. If you like pretty games, you're gonna want it. Um, I think it's good. We need to play it quite a bit mm -hmm. because it is so different. I've never seen anything like it where the, it's chit pull, but it, then you have all these battle plans that you have to select beforehand. And there's all sorts of crazy shit that comes up during the game. So beautiful. I mean, basically, like, say the attack chit pulls. This is how I think it works. If you pull the attack chit, all the, all the units on either side who have attack orders then start doing stuff. Like first they move, then they fight, and so, but that's on either side, and so the chits are based on the order types that the units have, sure. not based on the sides. So it's not. Oh, but then okay. you have these, right? So, so basically, then like if you do march, and then you have a certain number of movement points based on your chit. So if you pull attack chit, you only have three movement points. But if you have the special battle tactic from Longsnake Go to Geki, you get five movement points. But I have to have written that down, that turn, that your clan's going to get it, and I have to have pulled your clan fucking chip. 
So, dude, there's a lot to this game. I mean, it is, it's crazy. I mean, have they been playing this game in France for a long time? I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never seen a game like it. But it seems cool. But I found it very hard to figure out how to fight. Like, like I'm trying to figure out the strategies. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Like long snake or little button? <laughs> Who knows which one to pick? Um, <laughs> <laughs> little right. the two go hand in hand. So, so that's all I have. That's I don't I don't even know how to rate it. Oh um, no. Maybe maybe I can rate it later. How many how many beers? How many beers? Uh, I don't think there's any <laughs> beer danger. I mean, like <laughs> okay, like maybe beers will help. Who knows? I would say five beers. Five beers maybe okay. like. Yeah, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem complicated though. But it's interesting because the tactics in, in Samurai Warfare are totally different. Like you would think, oh, we're gonna fight around like the roads, and, but they would just run up up the mountains and then charge down the mountains at each other. <laughs> so it's like wow. sometimes they're like, yeah, they, you need to get on these mountains. They were critical, and you're like, why would the mountains be critical? Like, <laughs> I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys were professional soldiers. So mm -hmm. who knows? So, all right. I'm going to go back on a push to talk so we can tell your stuff. All right, Jason, I you do. have a review? Um, I'm going to talk about 65, the new Vietnam game from Mark Walker and Oh, and yes. Yes. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to hem and haw for a couple minutes with Mark because I want to get another drink because I really want to hear about 65. Uh, there's no hem and haw. When you when you play sixty five, Jason, do you look at those little miniatures? You put them up on they're your, on, your window so you can look at them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, protect, they're protecting my books. All right, let me do this okay. real quick. I'll be back. There we go. You still working on your whiskey? Yeah. I should probably. I'm tempted. I don't know if I should get another one or not. <laughs> I got to, to get one. I got to go downstairs. My girlfriend's watching TV, and I got to get the stink eye if I open them. Yeah, I think I'm, I think <laughs> I, I just finished another pour, and I think I'm done. Yeah, I, I could get. I could go to Guinness there you if, go. I, That's if I wanted safer. to. I, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. Although I I shouldn't take too long, so we should be wrapped up and probably. 10 or 15 minutes. That's how I, I, I try oh, to time okay. it. <laughs> I don't want to be finishing a drink as we're wrapping up because then I have another, you know, 30 minutes of feeling those effects. Yeah. Yeah, I got to work tomorrow at noon and we lose an hour of sleep yep. tonight. So uh, it's going to be yeah, my, it'll be a fun day tomorrow. I was telling my wife, I wish daylight savings had been this morning instead of tomorrow morning because right, right. then we'd be on the same time. <laughs> I was time. thinking that too. Yeah, we didn't realize how late your time was until uh, I actually looked it up. I'm like, oh shit, so he's like an hour ahead of us. be on the same time again. But yeah, half the, half the year, right? Because we don't change, it fucks me up in other ways. So I, don't, I won't lose any sleep, but like my work week gets all jacked up because, you know, I'm used to my meeting schedule based on other people's clocks, and and now it's it's going to get all wonky for me. But, all right, so I want to hear all about so, sixty-five. Yeah, buckle. 
And I just I poured myself a glass of rye. There you go. Rye. So, so I just have the rye. So this is uh, Mark Walker, Flying Pig Games. Uh, Mark Mark Walker, probably most famous for the, the Lock and Load Heroes games. Um, this is a card-driven... America Conquer. Oh, that's true, yeah. I didn't America, think about those One games. of his greatest yeah. achievements, America Conquer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think about those as much, the uh, the World at War. I, 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 I really like those games. So this is... Uh, well, what, a, what, a, what about <laughs> moistening? Glistening. It's also famous for yeah. for fictional yeah. fic- fiction yeah. involving yeah. moistening. Just wrapped up a Kickstarter for a new novel, which I don't know why you need to kickstart a novel. I wrote a novel and I didn't I didn't get paid for it. But anyway, um, so this is a card driven tactical war game uh, about the early stages, I guess, of the Vietnam War. Um, I say early stages because it's called sixty five, but there's also an expansion that supposedly goes into uh, way um, which doesn't really but that but that's fine um, so wow that's that's, that's later later um, so this is a game in the style I'll say of combat commander so it's diceless um, all, the cards are used for um, orders and um, end turn and for combat so you'll 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 pick up a card instead of instead of rolling dice uh the components are excellent um it's it's on a a similar size map as asl um but but the map the map quality is is really good um now the the counters the, the are really counters big, are, aren't the they? counters are, are huge. Counters? The vehicle counters are crazy big, um, and the, the counters look um, muddy. You know they're not they're not like a duel of ages card with the amount of numbers on them. But um, <laughs> oh man, those cards are the best. But there's like five to six numbers on on the counters potentially, um, but. The counters are actually pretty easy to read. It's not like World at War, where like the the font is weird, so you can't really tell what the numbers are. Um, it's the, the the counters are very yeah, clean, right. even though there's a lot of stuff on them, and they're very very big. Um, my one complaint, I guess, about the the components is well, I guess maybe number one is the box has a lot of white on it, which white. Game boxes don't seem to do well over time, but that's 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 a minor minor quibble. The, the cards are good; they're they're typical card size. They're a little on the thin side, um, so I ended up sleeving them. But at least they're not like the old GMT games where like they're so thick that they're hard to shuffle. These are easy to shuffle; they're just like a millimeter thin, but very very minor minor quibble. Mm. Um, the rules are good, I'll say. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, 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 the heroes lock and load rule set. They're not very well written. They, they try to be very, um, all encompassing, but they, they don't seem to do it in a, in a good way. These are almost on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're pretty well written. Like it's easy to follow. 
but they're not very comprehensive. So there's a couple things that aren't covered. Um, th there are a couple words that aren't defined, a couple terms that aren't defined. There's no index in the rules, which I have a quibble about, but engine. Now, now, does he insert like his own kind of like a <laughs> fictional fun, like, hey, here's the female that ran the whole VC no. in this area, and she's. No. <laughs> It, it's it's Lady Neoja. Yeah. She's like. So the scenario special rules might have a little bit of that, but the rules themselves don't. And I really don't like those asides in rules. That really takes it out of takes me out of things. Like when they're like make a joke in the rules, I don't like that. And this doesn't have that, thankfully. Um, so while everything's mm. not explicitly defined in a way I would like. Um, it's enough to get you started, and really it's driven by the cards. So it's, I think for the most part, clear enough what the cards are trying to tell you what to do that you can make a judgment and, and push on, which, which I'm okay with. And I'm a, I'm a rule stickler, um, but this, it's like, yeah, this, this word isn't defined necessarily, but... Now, now, is this the game where I was making fun of people because they were like getting super yeah. strict about the yeah. group? Yeah, Dave got my back on on the rules question a guy had about the order of the words on the um, on the rally. It had, to be, it had to be an English teacher. The yeah, guy had to be an it English was teacher. it was bizarre, <laughs> and I and I, I I showed it to my wife, who's a teacher, and she was like, "No, that I, I understand grammatically. Maybe he was correct, but." But that's not how we speak. Um, so it, 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 it right. anyway. Um, it, another plus for me, on top of the rules being good and the and the components being good, it's very very easy to play. This is a game you can set up in you know five minutes, ten minutes, um, and get right into it almost. Um, and playing it, there's not a ton of referencing back to the rules because everything is basically on the cards um, and it's also fairly light in the sense that if you fuck it up it doesn't really matter because you know the game's going to last an hour tops probably and you just and you just move on um, it, so so do you feel like cool. the rules reward like real tactics and e, well I'll so I'll say this so this is a game that's more like a Vietnam war movie than the Vietnam War, maybe. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm, okay. So it's, sure. it's a lot of... Yeah, we've got those games. Yeah, yeah. Heroes of Normandy. Heroes of Normandy right. is a World War II movie game. So, exactly. So this is kind of in that, sim in that same vein. It's not as silly necessarily on its face, but it's that similar kind of lightness where um, it's, you know, you're not patrolling jungles. You're in the shit. You're, you're kind of... You can see everybody on the map. Um, you're you're kind of getting right into the action. So there's no there's no mystery of um, you know are the VC in this village? Yes, because you can see them. You know it's not um, maybe some of the later scenarios um, and some of the later expansions. One of the expansions actually comes with civilian counters, but they're not like nothing's hidden. There's no is this an actual VC so, unit so, or is this a villager? This is, you know that, you know what you're dealing with. So Jason, how does the VC survive then if they can't like kind of hide or disguise themselves from the U.S.? Because it's just a straight up shootout. Um, they, 
their rule. Oh, this is basically like if the VC was like, yeah, we're fucking, fuck you guys, we're fucking blasting away. Right, right. And and it's it's basically mostly, so, so there is an expansion map for a city map, um, but mostly it's it's in villages and in the jungle. Um, and while they don't have the same firepower as the as the U.S. units, um, they move faster in the jungle. They they get more cover factor from the jungle, so so they make up for it in those in those senses. Um, when I when I was talking about how how simple it is, it might be a little bit too simple for for some people. It's probably even simpler than combat commander. So um, if you're a huge combat commander player you might not get enough out of this game even um but if you're a combat commander player who really likes the vietnam war or is interested in that i think it's worth exploring from that aspect there's there's enough tactics here um that that there's room to explore that being said are you sure you, are you sure you don't mean that there's not enough opportunities to count cards and try to figure out how the battles can go based <laughs> on your card counting well, you might be able to do that. I'm not. I don't have that kind of brain. Um, there, with with you saying that, there are more. There, there's. It's e easier to flush cards from your hand. You can discard two cards at the end of your hand or at the end of your phase or, or activation, whatever, um, for free. So you can cycle through cards faster. Um, which there's probably some some strategy there too. If you have cards in your hand that you just can't use, you just discard them and you'll draw up your next. Your next go, um, but also you're going to burn through car through turns faster because the, the 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 turns are tied to end turn cards in the deck um, that when you draw a certain number of them the, the turns over. But maybe you're in a strong position, so you want to burn through the deck to earn the end the turns faster. So so there's probably some 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 ways so, to do that. So on you, both would sides. Ditch, you would ditch, you would ditch more cards, right? Yeah. Um, Comparing it to Combat Commander, um, those maps are probably a little bit more forgiving of actual tactics. These are long, skinny maps, kind of like ASL. So there's not a ton of room for maneuver. You, you're going to want to, you know, still move and cover and, and, and move in, in ways that are advantageous for you. But there's not a lot of, like, you know, in, in Combat Commander where there's there's forest over here and there's a road over here and you know, it's going to be a little bit faster to move this way, but a little bit safer to move this way. There's not a lot of that here because I mean, the, the maps are probably like 12 hexes deep. Like it's by, you know, probably 36 wide. It's so there's, there's not a lot of room for maneuver. It's kind of getting, I think it's forcing you to get into that kind of heavy action right away. Um, another plus. Go ahead. Oh, I'd say nice. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, it, it, it really encourages combat. It's it wants you to mm -hmm. fight. Um, I I kickstarted it, um, so it came with this. There is a solo expansion for sale, um, which is a couple counters and a deck of cards. Um, I think it's overpriced how he has his MSRP set up. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. I got it in the Kickstarter. Um, or maybe actually, maybe it was decently priced, but it's, it's basically an AI deck 
Um, so you draw a card and it tells you which, which units to activate and what they're going to do based on the scenario. Um, the, the solo rule set comes with, I think, eight solo scenarios. Um, so you don't play the regular scenarios with the solo rules. You play these solo specific scenarios. Um, it's, it gets you through the game and it's interesting. And I think fairly realistic, you have to make a couple logical leaps to get the units to behave normally, I think. Um, but the rules give you enough room to do that. They give you enough framework to to make everybody behave normally, I think. Um, it's not interesting enough to play, I would say, four scenarios in a row solo. But, it, you know, you could do two probably back-to-back. Um, and, and still get enough out of it, but it's it does get a little bit samey after a little bit. You kind of get used to the feel, but just like the coin games where you kind of start realizing what the AI is going to do, that that kind of exists here a little bit. But it is enough that you can you can set it up and play and, and, and get through it. Yeah, well, that, uh, yeah, it's, cool. it's fair. Yeah, it's some right? kind of solo, right? Um, another complaint: there's no vassal module yet for some reason. Um, and this would be a game that would be really good for live vassal play um, because it's so mm-hmm. hot and heavy and, and fast. Uh, some of the other expansions, there's a small card deck um, that, that you can get. I don't really care for the cards in there. Um, some of which, because there's like a weather card, so there's a downpour or a monsoon card. Um, which again, it's not defined in the rules what a downpour does. Um, he the, Mark is supporting the game really well. He he's answering questions online. He's producing FAQs. Um, but some of these expansions, you know, just Kickstarter bloat kind of comes with this. Where hey, we're going to do this and this and this, and then the rules don't really maybe reflect some of the additions. So he adds this what this weather uh, card okay. in this small deck that you can get, um, but it's one card that that kind of fucks up the rest of the turn, um, and it just doesn't really fit for me. Um, so after playing with it a couple times, I've actually taken it out of my deck. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm just impressed that you're still ordering war games on Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean this. So I've I've been begging for basically combat commander Vietnam forever and this is i knew this would be pretty close um and i have a soft spot in my heart still for some reason for for mark, mark walker games um well i shouldn't say that because i'm not in on ost or night of man just this game just spoke to me i mean it's it's basically made for me so so i, I got it um so with some of that that other content um i, w- I would not necessarily recommend the cards there are some interesting things like there's punji sticks and claymores in there um but it's like you know two cards in a 54 card deck so it kind of sways things maybe a little bit too much um but but it does add to that kind of you know um cinematic feel i guess um the the u.s so there's a marine corps and anzac expansion which is pretty cool that that's the one that comes with also civilian counters. Um, the scenarios for that are pretty good. The, the Marines are a little buffed up over the U.S. Army units. Um, 
maybe a little too much, but but that's fine. But that expansion also comes with Ontos counters, which um, oh yeah, they're which cool. is pretty fucking badass. They fucking blow <laughs> blur their way. Which is such a strange vehicle. Is it like what's it like four recoilless rifles or something? On it's it? it's a, it's two quad packs. So there's eight, yeah, eight recoilless rifles. But but you have to arm them from outside of the vehicle. Such a strange, such a strange oh. vehicle. Um, but it was used in in way. Um, so I, I I have a soft spot spot again for for them, and they're so ridiculous, but they're pretty kind of cool looking. Um, but those getting added was was a plus for me. So I, I would recommend that expansion. Um, the the just just for the moistening exactly the the, the it, moistening it, it was... made me glisten. Um, and then the city map um, comes with one scenario, um, and I think he's added a solo scenario on top of that online. Um, it's not necessarily what I expected, but there's some cool stuff in it, um, and it's huge. So there's some room to explore. Um, I think he, I think he intends to really support this game with you know um, scenario packs and stuff in in the flying pig magazine um, which actually I just bought my first issue of and it's actually pretty good um, I'm not a magazine guy but um, the it's more game I, I it's a decent mix of, of game content and history content like world at war and modern war I'm not a huge fan of reading history articles in magazines. I would rather read a book about subjects. So this this kind of has a decent mix of, of things. And the, the components for the game that came in the magazine was actually really good. But anyway, um, I, I think he's planning on putting out scenarios and counters and stuff like that in the magazine, which will honestly probably get me to buy the magazine. Um, I, I, so, 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 Jason, when we're talking about combat, um, how does it work? Is it like okay? So, is it, is it phased or is it like like activations or chips? Okay, or? That, that is a very good good question. I'll actually talk about how the game is played. So, no, I just I don't I don't need you to get into too much sure. detail. But I'm just no. curious. So, on your on your phase of the turn, um, you get to either play a card to activate units. Or basically discard your your hand and and refill it next turn, or uh, pass. So if you play a card at the end of your phase, you can also discard two more cards. But you play a card, and it will basically each card has um, two activations on it. Um, so like the move card is move on top and then fire on bottom. So you can use that card to do one of those things. Um, and all of the cards have that. So it'll be um, like an artillery fire on top and um, maybe like a special fire on the bottom. Um, there are a lot of moving and firing cards. Um, so it's you don't really get in a situation very often where you have a hand where you can't do anything. Um, so you'll play a card and then basically activate a, a, a number of units in a hex. Uh, to do whatever the card says, whatever one of the two things the card says to do. 
Um, so, so like move. So if I'm moving, fire. I can you know if I have a stack of three units, I can either activate all of them to move together um, per their movement factor, or they can fire. Um, you can also activate you know partial stacks within a hex. So if I have a stack of three units, I can activate two of them to move and leave one still in the hex. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's basic tactical car driven things. It's moving, firing, um, rallying, artillery fire. Um, there are some, like a card called punishing fire where you get to fire twice at the same unit. Um, reload and fire is a, a unit that's marked as fired can, can fire again, basically at the same unit that they attacked before. Um, and then after the unit does whatever they do, they're marked with that status. So if they move, they're marked as moved. Uh, if they're if they fire, they marked as they're marked as fired. If they do a special power, so the units will have abilities on them, which are things that they can do all the time. Um, there are also powers um, like like what like like cure cure light wounds. Um, and well, let me. Spiritual hammer, <laughs> turn undead. So the abilities are things like assault, um, inspiration. So leaders can inspire other units. Uh, snipers can snipe, which means they have unlimited range. Uh, those are abilities. Those are things you can do no matter what. Uh, the powers are things like um, uh, forty millimeter grenades. Uh, so you can you basically add one to your firepower. Uh, satchel charges for the sappers for the VC, um, which get, get you an additional attack, basically. Um, so if you use one of your powers, which your card needs to have a power icon on it to use that power, but then their ops complete, basically. They've, they've spent themselves. Um, you can rally to you know remove a shaken marker and mark them as ops complete. Um, combat goes like this. And I, I haven't gotten into the vehicles yet. Um, those I've played, I think six scenarios of um, of the solo rules, and I've played two scenarios of the kind of opposed rules, um, and and none of those have gotten to vehicles yet. But the 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 small arms combat is um, the attacker has a, a high explosive factor on the counter. Um, you're going to use that plus any combat modifiers for basically range. Um, and then you subtract the cover factor from the defender. So if I'm a three, uh, <clears throat> so actually, I'm a I'm activating a, a stack of two units. Uh, the guy I'm activating on top is a two fire firepower, and then the other unit is going to support him. So they just add plus one. So we're at three. Um, we're at a range of two. Uh, so that gives us another plus one. So now we're at four. Uh, and then we're firing against, say, VC and jungle, so they have a cover factor of two. So that's a that's a that's a negative two. So now we're at a total of two firepower. You draw two cards, and you're looking for green hits, and and it literally says hit on the card oh, okay. in green. So you're not rolling dice like combat commander. Okay. It's it's you're looking for hits in certain colors based on the fire you're doing. Um, and the charts are all very clear on how to do it. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, so you're you want to yeah, draw more cards, cool. which again is blowing through the the turn because you know if you draw an end turn on on your firepower, uh, it still counts toward the end turn cards. 
so it's very i mean it's very very easy um you know exactly what, what you're firing against and then you get that many cards and i've i've had the situation where i've drawn six cards against something um and still not hit anything the the the, the hits are um on a on a i guess a curve on a curve like dice i guess is, is what he he described it as um but you know you do get those draws where, where you don't actually hit but it's like I, like i'm saying it's it's fast and furious you you get in and um it's it's very light it's very easy to to, to play through this um so back to what i was saying i think he's i think he's going to support it i i have a feeling he also wants people to like he's trying to drum up some some community around this game maybe because it's it's pretty expandable with making your own uh, own scenarios and stuff like that i think he wants people to do that or you to do your own like the city map doesn't really come with a ton of stuff um but i think he wants you to like hey here's a scenario i created for the city map <clears throat> he also doesn't give rules for that so there's no like you know a scenario should be balanced like this and these units cost this or you could you know each side gets a certain number of points that you can build a, a squad or a platoon to there, there's not really rules for that yet um but but i could see something like that coming in the future um this game i think is tailor-made for me it's it's both very light very fast to play it has a solo expansion um so i i really like it if if you don't like simple kind of silly it's probably a little on the silly side because of some of the card events and some of the um just lightness of it probably stay away um but for me, this is this is um, this is really good. I'm going to give it, I think, probably an eight right now, maybe a nine. Um, it's it's up there. It's not perfect, but it's a lot of fun, um, and it's about Vietnam, so it, it has a it has a place for me. This is a game that I could take to a con and get somebody playing in you know five minutes. And I'm going to give it a full twelve beers. I mean, it's very very light. Yeah. Twelve. That's, that's, this good, is a blackout kind of play. It's it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's if you've played a war game, you can play this game. If you played a tactical war game, it's probably even a little bit easier because you're familiar with um, you know some of the tactics and some of the verbiage that that you might see in this. Uh, but the cards are basically telling mm -hmm. you what you can do and how to do it. So the, the rules even don't need a, a ton of um, reference. And even then, the rule book's like, I don't know, 10 pages long, 12 pages long? Or no. Sorry, it's, it's yeah, 20, it's 20 cool. pages long, but um, it's, it, it, there's not much there. So it's, it, it's a game nice. made for me, if that means anything. Well, very good. There we go. Okay, I have a uh, little piece that I would like to describe about a game that is considered one of the iconic games in the wargaming pantheon. Uh -huh. And this is Advanced Squad Leader. So I'm going doing to describe. We're the doing. ASL minute? We're going to do the ASL minute. ASL, ASL, ASL minute. Awesome. So I just have to change over my. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I can possibly point to click like this. I was listening to a podcast recently um, from people in LA. It was like stand-up comedians, and they referenced is it Hugh Hauer or Hugh Hugh Hauser? Hugh Hauser. And, and the only reason I knew what they were talking about was because of the ASL minute. Well, I just <laughs> had Mark go watch the avocado eating dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, episode. While I was sleeping. And I think I think Mark would argue that my uh Hauser imitation is spot Oh, it's spot so, on. It's, okay. it's it's better than <laughs> so. All right. so um all right, so this is I'm gonna I'm just real quick, I'm gonna do a quick ASL uh reference. I like to do different ASL myths and we do uh different sections. I don't think I've done this one before, but I like try to focus on different aspects of the rules. So uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to uh, uh, basically, Schulhauser, unfortunately, from California's Gold, has passed away. So I am going to uh, try to channel his uh, inner Schulhauser as I do this. Uh, God knows how this is going to work. So there's this incredible thing called double time. Any infantry units are capable of moving double time. It's amazing. You know, you can get an infantry squad. That would normally move four movement points, and if you announce it before they move, they can move six movement points. Actually, you know what's interesting? They're called movement factors because they're infantry. Movement points are used for vehicles. I always forget that. <laughs> so a unit can double time and add two movement points only if they announce at the beginning? That's incredible. Because if they have to announce it while they're moving during the movement, they only get one extra movement factor. Wow. <laughs> so the other part of it that seems interesting to me is that when a unit moves double time, it get marked CX. CX means counter exhaustion. Are you telling me that all these counters that move double time, they get marked CX? Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. <laughs> All these counters are marked CX. Well, what does that possibly do to them? The first thing it does is it means they're not as good at fighting in close combat. I guess because they're all tuckered out from moving double time. <laughs> they also have, <laughs> they, they also have to add one to their search and recovery die rolls. And, and even their ambush status arrows? That's incredible. Are you kidding me? That is incredible. So basically, if I was going to, so let me get a hold of what you're telling me when I'm reading these ASL rules. You're telling me a unit can move double time, but it's going to be marked CX at the end of that. And if the unit wants to choose the double time to get its full movement, it has to say that before it moves. Otherwise, it only gets the one move. But regardless, it's going to be marked counter-exhaustion. That's amazing. Oh, well, that's just one of the parts of the ASL rules that I think are just incredible. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Beautiful. So it doesn't make them any well it make them. All right, so so out, out of character, can I explain any parts? I was of gonna it? say because <laughs> I can only put that while they're moving. It doesn't make them any so the, like the weaker against opportunity fire or anything like that. They're no, the idea is the, well. The, the 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 point of it is that um, they don't want you to move a unit and then have something pop up and shoot at it, and then you're like, "Oh, now I'm sure. gonna 
run them double time. So the idea is you can do it, but you don't get as much movement. You only get the one extra movement factor if you decide when you're first starting. And this, this happens a lot with players. Players will want a CX, but they won't announce that they're CXing them. They're double timing them right away. So it's a problem. So because they, they'll say they won't announce it. And then later on, they're like, oh, well, I was uh, going to CX that guy. And you're like, you can't do that. Yep. And that must be where oh, Pete okay. gets his screen you, you name, right? That's right. That's where he gets his incredible name, CX. All right. And the only other thing, I guess, is they don't kick as much shit. They can carry one less thing. Because they're huffing it. That's your fucking ASL minute. Dig it. It was incredible. Incredible. Are you incredible. telling me? And for guys who don't know, this guy was like, he would be like, he would go into a, he did probably 600 episodes of California's Gold, and he would go look at a pile of rocks in California and be like, are you telling me that all these rocks are from California? That's amazing. <laughs> and the guy would be looking at the ranger and be looking at him like, uh, no, yeah, that's why you're here. They're all, we're here. He's like, that is incredible. These rocks are all from Kong. Crete in California. Oh, that is amazing. That is the, it's incredible. And they'd be like, man, eh, well, it's, it's, I guess, like we work here. That's <laughs> <It's laughs> like, what I do every day. <laughs> like, it's a bunch of rocks. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm going to watch that uh, video with the, he's got the one about the in and out secret menu. Oh, I got to see what he has to say about that. that. He's, that I'm sure he's going to be blown away. He is the, he's the nicest guy. He loved California. He was always really friendly to people. Uh, passed away maybe, I think, like eight, seven or eight years ago. But still, in California, you can always watch his shit. They still run them all the time. My wife will be like, oh, my gosh, are we watching this again? I'm like, hell yes, we're watching <laughs> of course this <laughs> And when I first moved out here, I didn't know a lot about California. So my girlfriend at the time and I, we used to get a big kick out of watching him because we would learn. We'd be like, oh, my gosh, let's go out to that site. Or he'd go out to anything, like any little schoolhouse or like it didn't mm -hmm. matter. He'd go out there. And so you'd be like, oh, that might be cool to go out there and check it out. So then you get out there and you'd be like, well, Hugh Hauser's not here. And it's <laughs> not as, it doesn't seem as great as he made out to be. It's not as incredible. <laughs> It's not as incredible. It's not amazing. All right. Oh, one other thing, too. Uh, I had a bartender at Game On. Now, we're going to do a Game On recap episode uh, once uh -huh. we get on some people. But I want to tell you, this bartender at Game On was probably the worst bartender I've ever seen in, in the entire time I've ever been drinking. And believe me, I've sat and talked to quite a few bartenders in my life. Um, this guy... He did the one thing that I hate more, more than anything. When I go to order gin and tonic and I get back to the table and it's not, it's a gin and soda. Oh, it makes oh, me fucking man. crazy. So I go back and I take this guy and we're going to tell you uh, over the next few months, we're going to tell you many stories about this bartender because he is a legendarily bad bartender. But I go back and I give him my drink with my straw on it. And I say, dude, not a gin and tonic, it's a gin and soda. He takes my glass. And sips from the straw that I sip from. <laughs> oh, you're and tastes it. And he goes, he goes, he goes. Oh yeah, I always make mistakes on drinks so I can drink them. And then he turns oh, to me, he goes, Christ. he goes, he goes, oh, he goes. I, I, he goes. I've never been able to tell the difference between tonic water and soda water. And I stared at him, and I was like, and I literally told him to his face, I'm like, 
Are you fucking kidding me? You're a bartender and you can't tell the difference between tonic water and soda water? Seriously. That's, yeah, that's something else. Yeah, this was the same guy who was pulling out cups from the bar uh, and putting his fingers on the inside of the cups as he pulled them out. The and Cl Clay was at the bar and he's like, no, put it back, put it, throw it away. <laughs> Clay was like, throw that one away, throw the next one away. And then he pulled another cup and Clay would turn to the person that was about to get the drink. He's like, that guy just put his finger inside your cup. So Clay was like sitting there making him throw them all away. And then he gave he gave B-Mode a scotch, a scotch on the rocks where he didn't even break up the ice. So it was a giant, it was a giant block of ice in the top in the top of a plastic cup of scotch where the ice was hovering like two inches over the scotch. It was ice it and scotch. It wasn't. Because it couldn't, it couldn't fit oh, into the God. cup. He was the worst. Oh, horrible. You would go, you'd go to the bar to get a drink. He would be sitting on the outside of the bar on one of the stools talking to some loser at the bar. Like, like, can you get behind the bar so I can get a drink? Seriously, do your like, job, fucker. <laughs> Jesus. Terrible. Ugh, so That makes me anxious. Yeah, so it was bad. Oh, but it was I'm funny. Like Clay was like, Clay was like totally hammering him. And I, I, I don't want to get too much into the Game On stories because I want to get somebody who's like on, like, or didn't go to Game On. So I want to do it with somebody who's there because I remember more stories. But man, there were so many funny stories from it. I need to be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. more like so, Clay and calling people out on stuff. Oh, dude. Okay, I am going to say one thing. I'll say this one. So. Uh, so we're at so basically there's a, like a deli grocery store across the uh, street from from the uh, hotel my fucking computer keeps on like doing weird shit so uh, um, and I was telling Clay hey it's really good like I go over there it's like a like a Bristol Farms or I don't know what you guys like but a high end really high end grocery store so they have like a full deli like with the hot food everything so uh, I've talked Clay into going over there, and so we go over there. For, and Clay actually liked the restaurant at the Holiday Inn, but fine. He's like, all right, cool, we'll go over there. So we go over there. So I walk over with Clay, and you feel this sense of, like, nervousness. <laughs> There's pressure. Like, yeah, like you're showing, like, Saddam Hussein or, like, Kim Jong-un, like, a new restaurant that you've recommended for him. <laughs> you know, like, it, like you don't know how this is going to go. So, so I I, I – we walk in and Clay looks at the, and I'm like, well, over here they have the hot stuff. Clay immediately dismisses all the hot food. He's like, that's not happening. Like, no way. <laughs> so he looks at all the sandwiches and all the deli stuff and he's like, he's like, okay, these sandwiches, they look good. Okay. He goes, are they all pre made? I'm like, well, I, I, yeah, I think they may. In fact, he's like, they look pre made. So he goes up to the lady. So this gal, the gals like take orders and they'll heat up the sandwiches or whatever. And so he goes, he goes, I want this sandwich. I want you to make it for me fresh. And she's like, well, um, uh, you know, sir, I think they're like, we just kind of get them here. They're like pre-made. And then he goes, I'll pay you $100 to make the sandwich fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, so she's like uh, well, uh, so eventually she's like, we can't do that. So he walks away, he turns away, and I, I would swear that he said something like, I'll bet if I paid her a thousand dollars, she'd make it. So, <laughs> so Clay gets a bunch of these uh, like 
she gets a sandwich. He gets like some chili stuff, like a bunch of different bowls full of stuff. He's basically got like a whole thing. Like I'm getting like a sandwich right. and like maybe right. like a salad or something, maybe whatever. He's got this whole thing, like a whole variety of food. So we take it over. We're talking, whatever. We're, t- we're back at the hotel now and we're talking and he's like, and he's already irritated with me because I, I took him over there. Like he's not happy. So basically he takes like one bite out of, the, of whatever he has. He's like, Bleh, I'm done. No. So he goes, wow. he takes all the other food, which he hasn't, I don't, I don't think he's even tried. He's like, you guys can have this. He's like, I'm not eating this. <laughs> so Pete ended up eating all the food <laughs> that Clay got. And, and then I felt like Clay was mad at me. He's like, he's like, yeah, I went to your deli. That was great. Really good job with that. Like, like, this is like, I'm like, so I felt like, so, so B-Mode flies back. I think he travels back with Clay to New York. And I feel like getting on the plane, B Mode's worried that Clay's going to get on and be like, Yeah, we're not flying on this airplane. This <laughs> right, isn't right. the guy. We're, we're getting off the airplane now. B Mode's like, No, it's okay. Like, he's like, No, no we're not I, flying. I Look at that. <laughs> this one's been flown before. <laughs> this airplane's not good. We're not flying on this. I feel like you feel a lot of pressure. Like, I don't know. It was very funny. Wow. But Clay was hilarious. But he told that lady just right on, okay, not well, even pausing. He and and she's like, "Whoa, like whoa!" She's not making a hundred dollars that <laughs> <Right>? day. <laughs> that's, oh, that's funny. That's the best. But then the fact that he like took one bite and he's like, "Yeah," he he never even tried lifted the lid off of any of their stuff. He just basically he said, "This thing sucked. They made these sucks. other things." Yep. I'm giving them all to Pete. To <laughs> I'm sure Pete was and like sweet. Later on, food. later on that night, Pete ate all the food. I would eat all that food. I probably yeah. would too. Yeah, I am a. It's very funny. I'm a free food aficionado. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it was funny. It was very funny. So, all right. That's that's all. I, got. I don't want to. We'll talk about more about it when we get somebody else. Sure. Because there are so many stories from that. Uh, that's all I got, boys. It's pretty late. Yeah, sorry. It's for Justin. It's what? Or Jason? I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah, for it's, Jason. It's after two? two. Yeah. Yeah. So you're late. Two. Yeah. But now you, you get to change. But now we're moving our clock forward an hour, so we'll be all at the same time. Yeah, we'll be on the same as you. <laughs> well, that's all I got, boys. Sounds good. Yeah, same here. All right. All right, Jalen. Thank yep, you. Thank you. All right, you guys have a nice night. Okay. Talk to you. All right, cool. Thanks, well, I'm guys. not recording so, anymore, so I don't have to turn anything off yeah. because I, I already got bombed out. <laughs> stop. Just yeah, just stop it. All right. Good night, guys. All right, boys. Bye. Visit us at http colon slash slash boardgamegeek.com slash build slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com.